Amen. Good evening, sir. It's good to be in the presence of people. It's been a while since we've been together in this room. Zoom is all right, but this this is better. This is better. This is better. Good to see everyone. Mr. Brown has a medium and a popular avatar. Oh, yes, sir, it has. Commissioner Free, just go right on around, sir. Six feet apart. Oh, I'm going to That's right. Mm -mm. That's all right. All right. Um, Man, I'm going to miss him something. Um, at this time, we're going to stand. <clears throat> Pastor Richard Hayes is going to lead us in invocation, immediately followed by Pledge of Allegiance. Good evening, uh, commissioners and everyone in attendance. Let us bow our heads. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we are so thankful and grateful for so many blessings that you've bestowed upon us in this great community of ours. We ask now that as these commissioners, we now have the opportunity to meet in one place. We ask you to lead them and guide them, gives them, give them the wisdom and guidance that they need to make sound decisions concerning the people and those of this community, that this be a better place to live, that this be a place that we are uh, excited about to have an opportunity to live in. And we thank you for what you've done and all that you're going to do and ask that you would just just bless this meeting on this day and this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, sir. Commissioner, <clears throat> we need to amend our agenda to allow for a proclamation to be read and for us to act on it. If we can, um, let's see, make that item, I guess that would be either item 4A. Yeah, let's just say that that's item 4A would be the proclamation. Everything else will be in the order. Uh, I'm told we need a motion to adjust the genesis. We're doing it kind of at a late hour. Motion to second. Do we approve the vendors uh, change? Any further discussion? All in favor, raise your right hand, please. Those opposed? All right, minutes, let's do the minutes for, uh, for them. Are you testing your mic now? I mean, my mic don't. I, I promise you I feel like I'm at the little kid's table. <laughs> I appreciate that. You all right. Uh, <laughs> you said you have help. You have peers. <laughs> oh. uh. I apologize. Keep it up and we'll put you in the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> the minutes for the month of May would require our approval. Yes, Mr. Chairman, I make a motion we approve the minutes from our May, May meeting. Is there a second to that? Second. second. Motion and second. Do we approve the uh, meetings for the month of May? Any further discussion? All in favor, raise your right hand, please. Those opposed? Before we get to the proclamation, I'd like to, uh, Mr. Brown, recognize the presence of the mayor of the city of Flemington, Georgia. Mayor Paul Hawkins is with us. Good to have you, sir, to be with us. Uh, thank you for the the good working relationship that we have between the county and the city of Plymouth. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. A growing city. A growing city. A growing city. And we're excited about <clears throat> all that's coming to your city, the commercial as well as what's going to happen with Old Sunbury Road. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's on the way. It's on the way. It's on the way. Um, Mr. Brown, I want to see your thunder. You want to introduce somebody who's in this? I can. Uh, it's official setting. That'd be great. He's um, a man of distinction. We've, um, I think you've had a chance to talk to him on the phone. He, uh, I wouldn't say he came with COVID here into uh, Liberty County, but uh, <laughs> it's the first time actually in front of you. And, um, and this man is Mr. Joseph Mosley. 
Um, he's uh, the new assistant county administrator here, and I think most of y'all have already met him and talked to him, and so uh, we're happy to have him, and he comes on and makes an immediate impact. Good. I really appreciate it. Ms. would like to say hello to us. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. Thank you, sir. Very good to have you. Good to have you. Good to have you. All right. Now, our proclamation, Pastor Hayes is going to come and uh, read the proclamation, give us a little overview of it. There's been some meetings going on, so... All right, this is the proclamation uh, for George Floyd Day. Whereas on May 25th, 2020, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, George Floyd died of injuries sustained during a showing of excessive and unnecessary force by officers of the Minneapolis Police Department. Mr. Floyd was pinned to the ground by neck by an officer for eight minutes and 45 seconds. And whereas police brutality has taken many forms in the course of human history and accountability for the actions of law enforcement at the local, state, and federal level should be the status quo rather than a rare sight. In all forms, the brutalizing of citizens by those sworn to protect and serve them is abhorrent and whereas in the 20th century, the United States saw several periods of civil unrest and protests in response to many human rights issues raised by marginalized groups, both domestically and abroad. We as society watched division and disunity create chasms in our society during the civil rights movement, the Vietnam conflict, the Cold War, the Stonewall riots, the Rodney King riots, and more. These are just some instances where the American people face uncomfortable truths about themselves and each other sometimes with permanent solutions and sometimes with more questions, and whereas Liberty County, Georgia, has a rich history of involvement in the shaping of our nation's destiny. Serving as the home of two signers of the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Army's 3rd Infantry Division and hosting Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. at Dorchester Academy and during a period of respite from the Civil Rights Movement, and whereas it is because of this rich history that Hinesville and Liberty County, Georgia, are a melting pot of race, creed, color, ethnicity, religion, gender, and sexual orientation, boasting a colorful array of citizens and residents, all of which our government institutions have sworn to serve and protect. And whereas the Liberty County Board of Commissioners wholeheartedly supports our citizens and residents' rights to peaceful assembly and protect the protests the right the raise to raise awareness of social issues plaguing our society at a local state and national level it is a right protected by the united states constitution and we welcome open dialogue between citizens residents staff and leadership from local state and federal government and whereas we know that the pain of our citizens is not our problem to deal with it is our problem to fix and trust is a bridge more easily burned than built and whereas the Liberty County Board of Commissioners seeks to build bridges of trust between its leadership, law enforcement, and citizenry to better serve the community, we love and ensure that the tragedy of George Floyd is one that is never repeated. Now, therefore, I, Donna Lovett, not me, but chairman <laughs> of the Liberty County Board of Commissioners, do hereby proclaim May 25th as George Floyd Day in Liberty County and invite all citizens to stand up for justice and equality for all citizens and in the cycle of hatred and inequality in our country. 
and whereas I have hereunto set my hand and caused the sign of the seal of Liberty County to be affixed to this on the second day of June 2020. Mr. Joseph Brown and Mr. Donald Lovett with the signers. Um, with this proclamation, um, you want to go ahead now? Yes, uh, with this proclamation, uh, with all that is happening, uh, if you have been anywhere around your television or radio, uh, there's a lot happening in our nation. Um, a lot of people are concerned, and this is not foreign to Liberty County. Uh, so we, on this Thursday, we will have a peaceful protest that the United Ministerial Alliance will be leading, will be heading up, uh, where we've had a great response in bringing our citizens together and having a release and an opportunity for us to look face-to-face -face and deal with something that is so near and dear to the hearts of our citizens and those that are part of this community. So we do encourage, we, I, I give you a personal invitation at this time uh, to come out on Thursday and be a part and stand with us. Um, uh, as we'll have the city officials there, the pastors are going to be leading the charge um, and just trying to make sure that this community is a better place for all of us to be a part of. Uh, with, I know that some of you may have heard some things prior, some whisperings. Uh, our intent was to make sure that all of you were informed, but we wanted to make sure that our I's were dotted, our T's were crossed, and that we don't bring you something raggedy, that we bring you something prepared that is organized and that you uh, know what you're going to be a part of and know that, that what you're going to uh, be attending will be done decent and in order. Uh, so at this, I do invite you all at this time. If you hadn't heard, you are invited. You, uh, we do welcome your presence there. And if you have any questions, I can entertain them if you do. Yes. The time was? Time is 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. Um, uh, we, we've already collaborated with the county sheriff's department. Uh, with the city of Hinesville Police Department uh, and with some other groups that are within the city limits that uh, we're going to be collaborating with to make sure that this this uh, goes forth uh, in, in the manner that you would uh, expect it to. I will be there. Thanks, sir. About the lineup, I guess you want to. Lineup. Um, That's still fluid. Let's, let's see if I still remember. I don't want to open my laptop. Uh, we're going to have, we're going to open with prayer. Uh, we've got Bishop Bedden is going to have some words, kind of set a foundation, an introduction. Um, a young lady that organized, 19-year-old young lady, uh, bright, sharp young lady that organized a, a uh, protest on Sunday is going to be there, and she's actually going to speak and bring her group there. Um, we're going to have uh, some others that are going to come. Uh, actually, it's uh, Pastor Scott is going to speak. Well, uh, Representative Al Williams is going to come and speak to us, and our commissioner, Chair, uh, Chairman Lovin, is going to come over, and the uh, mayor of Hinesville is going to speak, have some words at the event. Yes. Okay. Where, where is it, uh, Pastor? We're going to be on the steps of the Justice Center. Right on Main Street, it's, and we'll shut so down. It's, it's, it's not a march. It's just going to just we're just going to assemble there. That's where we'll end with the assembling. We're going to march from uh, the parking lot over where Planet Fitness is, and enter onto Main Street uh, in between the gazebo and the Ameris Bank drive-in, the small road that runs between there. We'll enter Main Street right there at that intersection, which will avoid that traffic light. Well, um, with the the crowd that we expect to have. Okay. And I guess if y'all drop some paper, y'all will pick it up so we won't have to do it. <laughs> so we won't have to do it the next day. That is, we, we plan to be good stewards. We're going to promote all of that. Yeah. All right. Thank you.
plan to be good stewards. All right. Jay, ready for a motion? Any other questions or comments from uh, all right. <clears throat> um, I know the city will sign theirs when? When would they do theirs? Uh, on Thursday. Thursday. Thursday at 3. There's some language that you and I discussed that did not make it to uh, this uh, proclamation. I'm not sure. Do, yeah. do we want to revisit that, or are we just going to go? Um, for the, the sake of time, I think we're, we're, we'll be good for Thursday, um, and we're going to be pushing to follow back up with right. you know, our commissioners and uh, our local officials to get some of that. You just might want to share what that, that language, other wording. a little bit what that language was about. Uh, the other, some of the language that we want to make sure that we ensure the citizens of some of the things that are happening behind the scenes with our sheriff department, with our police department, and the expectation that we would have as citizens uh, concerning how the training, sensitivity training, when it comes to uh, people of color and, and different ethnicities, that we have that type of sensitive ten- sensitivity training, um, dealing with racial issues that may arise, uh, how often that's, that they're receiving that training, uh, how things are going to be enforced in the, in the position where we may have something that arises like a George Floyd type of, type of issue, uh, what is the process, what is the procedure, and then where we would have opportunities, the citizens would have opportunities to get involved with their community, with the city, with the county, and the decision, some of the decisions that's being made, such as the Citizens Academy that the Sheriff Department I know has and the uh, Hinesville uh, Police Department has, the Citizens Academy, uh, voting, uh, census, uh, all these different avenues that they have to have a part, the boards that we put out to uh, the community that sometimes you never get anyone to fill, uh, all these avenues that they have available to them, these resources that they can get involved, and if we need to go any further with um, uh, citizens' involvement, We'll kind of uh, look into that also. I think that's the missing piece. Yeah. What happens after the march? Right, right. That's the missing piece. We need to right. work on that. Sarah, uh, <clears throat> I don't think my, wife, my mic works anyway. But uh, I, I, I do have some, some uh, suggestions to that committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I could get it to you, and then you could forward it to okay. the powers that be yes, at that time. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. We welcome you to be a part. Who has the original? Mr. Brown, you? Pastor Hayes, uh, you, you want to come stand here, sir, for the, for the photo op? Sure. Committee of one? Uh, Commissioner, I wouldn't invite you, but you you break the social distancing law, so I'm gonna stand by you nowhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mosley, I was gonna ask you, did Bob leave the camera? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, uh, Commissioner Gillard, I was gonna say, I mean, I, I know this is a, a fine, well gentleman right here. But I kind of feel offended that I'm not the only one who wear bow ties over here anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I talked to him about that when, you first, when I first met him. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to fix that. So you, you'll, you, fix you, that. You'll, you'll be the only one after I'll, the, after I'll the day. i with the photographer. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like his bow ties. Yes. Yeah. I heard the beat. David made the folder. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Look forward to it. All right. Chair Tina, uh, motion to go into public hearing to discuss the budget. So moved, Mr. Is that second? Second. All in favor, raise your right hand. 
Now the public hearing to discuss our budget. Ms. McLaughlin. Good evening. Good evening. Um, we're here to review the proposed fiscal year 2021 budget. Um, and I'll just go over some of those highlights and those summaries for you. Uh, tonight's meeting is the public hearing. You will have a called meeting on the 18th to adopt your budget. The original budget request came in at $41.3 million. Uh, we met several times, went over various department line items more than once, went over the revenues. We identified about $5.9 million worth of budget cuts to bring us to a proposed fiscal year 21 general fund budget of $35,415,454. When we compare that to our current budget of $32.6 million, this actually uh, represents an 8.5% increase, a total increase of $2,786,146. Uh, here's a summary of, of the revenues, uh, the revenue groupings actually. And you can see the change by groupings um, with the largest change being in your general property taxes. And general property taxes includes um, several different line items, not just real property, but it includes your real property, your personal property, your mobile homes, your timber tax, your, your railroad, your intangible tax, your real estate tax, and your TAVT. So Collectively, that's your largest revenue groups, um, and it does represent the largest increase. You'll notice a couple of the line items actually decreased, and that was based on some historical trends that we identified and we, we reviewed. Um, to give you a more graphic look at that, this kind of illustrates for you exactly uh, what the impact of your general property tax is. It makes up 66% of your general fund revenues. Um, your sales and use tax, which is just your local option sales tax, is uh, about 9% of your budget at $3.25 million. Your charges for services is another 9% at about $3.13 million. And then fines and forfeitures are your fourth largest line item at 6% at $2.2 million. So as you see, when you think about all of your revenues, actually your general property taxes are really the only revenues that you have any influence or control over. The other revenues, you, you really don't. <clears throat> when we look um, at those historical trends, this is actually um, a graph of your general property taxes for the last 10 years. And you can see where we started in 2011 and how we've grown. This does not always mean that the millage rate went up every year. It could be a combination of several different things. It could be a combination of real growth in the digest or reassessed growth in the digest. There's actually been a couple of years where we rolled the millage rate back but still generated more revenue. So I know between Oops, I'm sorry. Um, between, I think, 17 and 18, 
17 and 18, we actually reduced, we rolled the millage rate back, but we generated more revenue because we had that much real growth. Um, Again, the other thing that plays into that is the exemption. So when you consider your digest, you have to consider the real growth, the reassessed growth, and the amount of exemptions that the county has. And as you know, we are rich in exemptions, and they continue to climb every year. When you look at the other three largest revenue line items, your sales tax, this is what it's done. And that is a direct reflection of your economy and the amount of vendors producing some of those sales for you. So as we continue to get businesses in the city or the county that help to generate those sales tax, we will see more revenue. Um, as the population changes for various things, whether it's a deployment or whether it's a pandemic, that does influence and impact your general sales tax, your, your local option sales tax. Um, this orange line here is your charges for service. Um, these are things like prisoner housing fees, um, what we charge for administering the district attorney program. These are your animal control fees. These are your um, all, all the different types of fees, license and permits and, and those type of things. Um, so your charges for services. Now you'll see right here where it shot up. So there were a couple of things that happened between, I guess, 17 and 20. Um, noticeably, we started receiving a lot more prisoner housing fees. Um, a lot, at one point, that went down significantly, but then we started taking in more marshal inmates, more prisoner, more prisoner housing fees. Um, additionally, when sales tax six came on back in 17, and we had a full year of it in 17 and 18, we received more uh, general indirect cost. That's what we charge. Uh, that's what the general fund charges, sales tax. They charge a, a 4% um, to the sales tax fund to help administer that sales tax program. So that generates uh, money for us through the way of indirect cost. And then finally, in 2018 and 19, we began um, billing for the library, which uh, in years prior to that, the Live Oak Public Library System used to do their own billing. But now we bill the city of Hinesville and the city of Midway and the city of Riceboro, so we show that as a revenue. Of course, we also have the total expense of it, but that's another reason why your revenues for charges of services went up so much in the last three years. And then your fines and forfeitures. Um, they're a direct reflection of how the courts have done, um, how your ticket fees are, and how those, those court fines are coming in. And that's, you'll see that we've, we've kind of tapered down the last few months, and that's been a direct impact of, of the COVID stuff. Um, but I do understand that those deputies are now back out there um, working the interstate and generating some more revenue that way. So your summary of expenditures, um, salary and wages, uh, up 5.74%, and employee benefits are up 12.29%. Um, the majority of that pertains to 
standing up a full-time fire department. We talked about this last year when we had our budget hearing. We also talked about it again when we adopted the millage rate of what it was going to take to actually establish a full-time fire department. Um, the majority of that relates to those 18 firefighters and their benefits that will take place. Additionally, our health insurance premiums went up 5%, and the amount of retirement contribution um, required for the defined benefit plan increased by 2%. Um, this is just taking those expenses and breaking it out in a, in a different way so you can kind of see how those group. Um, now, why did that say value there? I don't know what happened, but on your, on your paper thing. Um, anyway, public safety is actually 40%, makes up 40% of, um, of your functions. General government is 28% and judicial is 15%. I apologize for those not showing up here. I don't know why they didn't, but they showed up on your paper. Um, but collectively, that's how they group. And you can see public safety, which includes all of your sheriff's departments, your EMA, your fire, your animal control, um, your coroner. Um, all of those are your public safety departments. And then your administration, your general government, is going to be all of your general administration, finance, data processing, um, the assessor's office, the tax commissioner's office, voter registration. Those are your general government. And then, of course, judicial are all your courts, your state court, magistrate court, state court judge, probate court, um, your court reporters, um, judicial administration. So when we break it out one more different way, you see that 64% of your expenditures are mandated by law, 33% uh, are essential services, and 3% of your budget is discretionary. And let me just show you what some of those are. Do you see your mandated services are a little more than $22 million. Um, And you can see all of these, and we've gone over these before, are your mandated services by law you are required to provide. Your essential uh -huh. services and your discretionary services. Um, now, uh, there could be some discussion about what's considered essential, and I'm sure that's somewhat subjective. I'm sure some people would say, well, you know, recreation really isn't essential. You know, um, it's discretionary. Some would disagree. Some would say recreation is very much essential. Um, the same thing with some of these others, roads, um, animal control, fire protection is not mandated, but certainly we've identified it as being an essential service that we need to provide to the county. And then, of course, your discretionary services. Um, in this budget, the new personnel is about 685000 Of that, about 651,000 um, relates specifically to the firefighters. And we have identified those in stages so that, um, of course, we can't hire all 18 at once. We wouldn't be able to even if we could find them. But we've identified bringing those on in stages, and we've identified that it will probably be somewhere around 651,000 for the full-time firefighters. Then there's longevity in there, which... Um, 
isn't required, but has been in there in the past. And then as far as capital goes, um, you've got equipment in there for $230,000. you have got some vehicles, some software and computers, and some furniture and fixtures. There is no COLA, and there is no merit in this budget. Issues when you think about your 2021 budget, um, we will continue to monitor general fund revenues. As you know, we don't get to see the digest before you adopt your budget. So that, um, that, that uh, is a little bit of a challenge for us. That, that actually brings a challenge because we don't know ahead of time what that digest is going to produce. But as we do every year, we're going to monitor the revenues and come the time when we actually receive the the digest, we'll be able to identify if some of those other revenue line items have been able to be increased to take the burden off some of those property tax numbers. Um, these are the best recommendations that we have based on the estimates that we have at this time. And again, once the digest is a um, which once the digest is presented, we'll be able to determine whether or not we need to go back into the budget and cut anything or adjust accordingly. And finally, um, we will continue to monitor the expenditures and make sure everybody's operating within their budget, um, continue to pursue cost savings, um, eliminating overtime unless absolutely required, um, continue to monitor service contracts and pursue cost savings through bulk purchasing, and monitor the use of county vehicles when traveling um, out of county and on county business, and adhere to your fund balance policy to ensure that the county maintains a fiscally responsible level of fund balance while also being able to identify uses for it. That's all I have, unless somebody has something specific. Question for Ms. McLaughlin. Let's see. Let's um, from the commissioners first, then we'll open up to the general public. Commissioner, are there any questions that we all have? I keep moving for Ms. McLaughlin. It's not uh, targeted right at the budget, but I was wondering, has the um, tax office opened up so people could come in and pay? Or I know with COVID, has it slowed down the revenue coming in downstairs? Um, Well, you know, before COVID actually impacted us and we shut down, we had collected the bulk of our real property tax. Right now, I would consider us in the mobile home tax season. Mm -hmm. Um, Those bills are out, and he's collecting those. Um, I don't think they're open to the public, but payments are still coming in, um, and they are seeing people, I believe, still by appointment. I think you can go outside and sign up, and they bring you in kind of one at the time. People are mailing a lot of stuff in and paying paying a lot um, online, but we have continued to get our monthly payout and our TAVT. So we didn't act, we didn't waiver any um Taxes, as far as payment, they were they were uh, as far as the penalties could be added to the mobile home or your car tax if you didn't pay it on time. The only thing that the Georgia Department of Revenue offered a waiver on at this time was renewal of car tax. Car tax. Everything else remained intact. Okay, and at this time, do we know when they're going to open up to the public? Have there been any discussion? Discussion okay. Uh, I think they're trying to target the same day. We've already got protective equipment up in there, and uh, Mr. Jones and those have been in contact about reopening on that same day. 
Okay. And the other is on the budget itself, Kim, I see where we are going to stand up the fire department. Was that uh, starting? Was it? July 1. July 1 we that we would start. stand them up? Well, or what's going to happen yeah. is they will begin their hiring process, mm -hmm. is my understanding. Um, and it's going to take probably the entire year to be able to to get 18 people hired, 18 okay, yeah. firefighters hired. They, it's, apparently it's very difficult. <laughs> um, right. You know, it's not like a, an administrative clerical job where, you, where you're going to get 70 applications. That's mm -hmm. not going to happen. Okay. Commissioner Thrift. Yes. Mr. Chairman, if I may. Yes, sir. Uh, on that, on the 18 <clears throat> firefighters, that's going to be on a, a staggered, you're not going to try to bring all of them in one time. That's right. It's going to be so right. many, so many, so many. Right. Right, Mr. Brown? Yes, I think what, what, we, what the committee had talked about doing and what we talked with the fire chief about is that we will advertise for them all. Right. But, but the availability in the region of the firefighters will not lend itself to of course, we'll bring them on as we can work them in the shift pattern. Right. They're consistent with the amount needed for a shift. Because right now we only have one station that can really, two, the right. Gum Branch and the Lake George. Right. We're working on the. Uh, well, well, actually, actually, we do have three. Um, that, you know, we can sleep them at the East End right now at the Sunbury Station. Right. Okay, also, that's right. So yeah. you do really have three. Lake George's probably not as yeah. well along with the other two. Uh, but we're making modifications there to be ready. Okay. Uh, and, uh, Mr. Chair, I, I guess I have a couple of questions. Well, I, I guess since since we own the fire service, and I, I know we we collectively talking about hiring 18, and I know we're doing staggered. So uh, how how are we looking at the process? You know, are we looking from top to bottom or bottom from top? But with, with the hiring process. My guess is they were going to hire the firefighters yes. from bottom up, bottom and it, they, because they already have a chief right. and a deputy chief, right. so, and I want to say they have a captain and a captain. Right. And a captain. So now I, I, we need I was, the I was just firefighters. Sure, right. mm. Yes, that we fill in yep. bottom up. Bottom up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and then also, uh, uh, when are we we discussing the budget? And I know we go through this every year as well. Um, have the tax commissioner given us? Uh, I guess his projected uh, collection rate. He's I, actually I got a billing and payment status last month, and he was at ninety five percent last month. Okay, so ninety five percent already. That's good. Okay, which is really good. That's mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I'm Especially for last month. Uh, I'm not complaining. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I just and, and you know, so I haven't I haven't gotten it as of the end of May, and so he still had May and June. <laughs> To get the other five. I guess this is a good time, uh, Commissioner Fraser, to, <clears throat> to show the flip side of that. So we appreciate the citizens absolutely mm -hmm. for making that happen. Right. right. And, and in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah, I appreciate what. Uh, in the midst of a pandemic. That, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of down here. <laughs> no, you're good. Good. You're good. Uh, but you're good. I, I was going to uh, make sure that, that we tell the citizens that, that we really appreciate mm -hmm. them during the mm -hmm. pandemic. And the, the additional obstacles that they had to go through to even think about us during this time, because I, I know it's, it's a hard, difficult time for everyone, not just in Liberty County, not just in Hinesville, but throughout this, this country. So, you know, I, I just want us to mm -hmm. acknowledge that, you know, we appreciate the citizens for fulfilling that, mm -hmm. that duty that we all have. And, and also to make sure 
let them know that we are, you know, good stewards of, of the money and that we are not frivolous with spending. And, and of course, you know, we have things that we're mandated to do from the state. But just like you were saying, there's a lot of things that we do here that a lot of other communities don't do right. that, that really makes Liberty County what we are and make us Liberty County proud. I know you heard it. I've heard it. Cool, cool, cool. And then I just have one last question about the, uh, and, and I know in the footnotes at the bottom, well, it's up there now, that we're talking about eliminating overtime unless absolutely required. I know the departments that we have total control under, you know, we can kind of monitor that, but has that been sent out to our constitution officers about abiding by, by that same policy? Every year. It's been sent out. I love that political correct statement. <laughs> I appreciate it. I learned from the best. <laughs> cool. So I, I just I just wanted to make sure that that not only the departments that we have control over, but that the constitution officers as well understand what we're going through, the trials and tribulations, so we all be on one accord. Yes, sir. I have to give them credit. Their wish list wasn't really bad this time. No, and the letter that came in yeah. at the end kind of said it all. Yeah, so. oh, yeah. it did. Mm -hmm. It did. That was a great letter. So, so uh, they're in the game. They're, they're but, but more to your point, I had direct conversations about overtime. And, and you can ask the chief deputy about that. <laughs> right. I mean, I, yeah. I, I was talking in general about all the costumes. But well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. There we go. Mm. Thank you. Yes, sir. I just want to make sure that once we adopt this budget, can anyone come back later and say that I've asked this question to Mr. Brown, come back and for anything else once this budget is adopted. I mean, they they can come back and ask you whatever yeah. they like to ask like you, but then it would be up to this the board mm -hmm. to amend mm -hmm. your budget. That's the process. That's the process. Okay. But we can also go back and cut. If, uh, if the need arises. Well, well, uh, now hold, hold on here. Uh, once you adopt this budget, mm -hmm. you can cut the departments that Mr. Brown Brown controls. controls. Mm -hmm. That's what you can do. But nothing stops us from asking the Absolutely. others. Absolutely. Absolutely. We ask every time. Yeah, just like Governor Kemp is asking right now, we hear the same thing. Same rule applies. Any other questions for Ms. McGotham before we open up to the audience? All good, Dom? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, now it's open to the audience to ask any questions you might want to ask about the proposed budget for, for Liberty County. I think Ms. McLaughlin has done a good job of explaining it. She, and, and I'll tell you this, none of us came here knowing all this. By being commissioner sitting here, we learn more and more every year. So that's how we became as, as, as well-versed as we are. So we certainly think there's no uh, bad question so if you want to ask something, now's the time to, to do that. If not this time, she and Mr. Brown will be available. Yes, sir. And, and so as part of the, the virtual thing tonight, uh, ah. we are monitoring on Facebook. Okay. We've, been, we've been looking at the questions here. 
Uh, there's really only one that pertains to the budget. Can Ms. McLaughlin recap the slides that had technical issues during the budget? So my guess is that the version of PowerPoint that I used was different than the version of PowerPoint that's up there behind you, because mm -hmm. that's the only reason why I can figure that this didn't show up. Um, the values are right here. So public safety, it's 40%. General government, it's 28%. And judicial, it's 15%. Again, they're on the printed copies you have, and I, I don't know why it's like that. Um, I have to defer to my technical guy. <laughs> but can you, what you didn't you, go over, I'm sorry, I'm reading another so, comment, but you went back over the material there. So public safety, does that answer the question? It's 40% and public safety includes your sheriff's department, your detective's department, your narcotics, uh, your jail administration, your Flemington Law, your school resource officer, um, your coroner, your animal control, and your EMA, I believe. Those are all your public safety functions. Uh, general government would be your, uh, your, your commission, <laughs> your administration, your finance, your data processing, your elections, your government buildings, your tax commissioner, your tax assessor. Road department? Uh, no, that's actually public in works. public works. Public works, okay. Um, those are your general government, and then your, your judicial are all of your courts, as I mentioned, your state court, your state court judge, your superior court, your law clerk, or your law, your court reporters, probate court, magistrate court, um, and then those others public works are going to be the road department and your uh, first vehicle, the first vehicle shop. And then your culture and recreation is going to be what you transfer out to the recreation fund. And it's also going to include the expense for the library. And then your housing development and your health and welfare. Those are things like your, um, your uh, Hampo stuff, your, the money you give to Senior Citizens, Inc., the money you give to the Chamber, um, your LCPC stuff. Um, uh, youth development is under Youth development. Right. Um, trying to think of some of those others off the top of my head. But I hope that answers the questions. You've got the detailed budget there with you. I do. Uh, I do. So, question within the revenues. Uh, I noticed under line item 100, Thirty-four, nineteen, forty-five. Tax Administrative Service City. We anticipate collecting five thousand dollars, and that's for the collection of city taxes that he does there. Under the line item one hundred thirty-four, nineteen, forty. Commission on tax collection. We anticipate collecting uh, six hundred fifty thousand. Question: What's the difference between the two? Is one what the city of Hinesville pays the county for collecting taxes, and maybe the others collecting some other taxes? So there is a large difference. Um, we collect, we, we charge the city of Hinesville $5,000 to collect city taxes. Um, we do not get any commissions off of that. Um, the 
commissions on the other line item, the very large one, um, is the commissions that we earn on the collection of Board of Education taxes. So there's actually a commission that is taken off of the top of their taxes, withheld and turned over to the board for the collection of their taxes. So one is the Board of Education, um, and that's a commission-based, mm -hmm. and then one is just a straight, we'll charge you $5,000. Actually, uh, that, that, that was a, a great question. So I guess off that question, I'm going to ask the question. So why with the Board of Education do we get a percentage, and with the city, so, um, I, I, I'm not sure legally um, what I mean, the law is, is states. Right. I so, so the Board of Education, uh, there, right. there is a maximum amount percentage it can be. Right, I know. It's, uh, it's capped yeah, off. It's, it's capped. And we get, right. so, so when the commission adopted it at the time, they set it at the cap rate. So that right. is the current cap rate percentage. Right. Just there, and I don't remember the exact percentage. It's either it's either two or two and a half percent, I believe. Mm -hmm. But we do we do charge the max. Now the city of Hinesville, um, there's no requirement for the county to collect their taxes. It's just uh, something we do. Something we do. Okay. Um, I I do believe <laughs> that they have a a separate contract um, with the tax commissioner. Um, but I, I wouldn't know anything about that. But it's um, but the county just receives five thousand dollars for for collecting city taxes. That's the only city right. that levies Absolutely. a millage rate, right? And and we, you know, that's a very small right amount of money. But we <coughs> charge other cities very small amounts of money for for other services. Service that, that we provide. Right. right, like the $200 a month that we collect on, on those things. There we go. Yeah. Kim, I guess while we're here and we move on, um, you, either you or Drew might want to address the, the, the latest charge uh, expense we had to absorb for elections. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's been a couple. Um, you know, we had to, there are new voting machines and new requirements for those voting machines and new printer costs and, and stands and then the, uh, the absentee ballot <coughs> box. So there, there were significant tens of thousands of dollars that had to be spent. Um, now, we did get some reimbursement for the, from the state for some of that, mm -hmm. but not for all of, it. all of it. So when you're not reimbursed for all of it, how do you pay that bill? <laughs> you continue to do more with less, Mr. <laughs> Chairman. We've gotten very good at it. Yeah. So those are, those are behind the scenes thing that the citizens wouldn't know. That's why I had you. That's true. How'd you yes. address that? There's going to be an added expense along with that. We're trying to work out on where we can store those voting machines. Also, we're going to have to leave some space to do that. Uh, there, there is nowhere to put them right now. And you can't just put them in a tin shed somewhere. No. They have to be in a secure, air-conditioned climate control. Right. Come on. Are you through it? No, sir. We got another. But Go ahead, then. Um, uh, are there any revenues that are being collected by any department, elected or county, that is not accounted for by the county in the budget? Um, there could be possibly, but by law, um, those elected offices would keep those. So what we have is everything that I'm aware of and have access to. Right. Okay. And I think what's mandated 
if they're already are regulated. Got any more? Okay, um, Mr. McClough, mm -hmm. uh, I noticed at the bottom of the page we got there's no cola or merit. Do y'all? Is that still possible at the end of the year? Cola merit at the end of for next, the employees at the end of next year. Well, at, um, I guess anything, if, 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 I guess you're right. If it's not yeah, there anything now, you do now would actually have to change this budget because right. you have that for a whole year. So um, I would caution you to wait until you see the digest, digest. because at this point, mm -hmm. you're not even sure that the digest will support what's here. What's here. Right. And I think um, just from conversations through the budget hearings and, and even through last, you know, the last millage rate, I was under the impression that the most important thing in the next year was standing up a full-time fire department right. for the county. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that's mm -hmm. where the focus is for mm -hmm. the majority of you. Mm -hmm. And I think trying to do anything like a COLA or merit, um, although I support it because, I, you know, as I mentioned, it, it's hard to see, it, it's hard to give people incentive to do more and better if they know there's, right. there's no reward. But at the same time, I do think everyone is appreciative and grateful to be fully employed, mm -hmm. not have ever been furloughed. Um, we have a very good um, workspace area um, environment, and um, I think that's something to be grateful for in and of itself. And I mean, I agree with what, what we're doing. I just wanted that stated for clarification to everyone it, out there that's listening Yes. The direction that we are going, it's not an easy way to get there, but we had to do it. Yes. I, I, would, I would say that you, hopefully you don't go multiple years again without um, administering a COLA or a merit mm -hmm. because then you, you really start to lose good people and you start to fall behind. And it's hard when you have somebody who is in a position and say has been in there for four or five years, and then a new person comes on and they make the, make same, the same exact money. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. Um, so I hope that in the next year or two, you know, you are able to make that happen, a COLA or a merit, to try and differentiate some of that. The problem with the COLA is the COLA moves to scale. So it doesn't do anything to differentiate an employee's good work. The UGA study, um, I, I think, really needed to take place because it had been nine years right. since we had a merit. Mm -hmm. Now, you had given, I think, three or four colas, but there was no merit. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
Okay. I think that's what the UGA mm -hmm. study yeah. kind of focused on. Thank you, Kim. Another question? Well, just one more comment, and I, and I guess I can answer this one. Uh, a comment about uh, thank you for answering the detail on the, uh, the one slide. Uh, <laughs> and uh, inquiring as to itemize information that may be available there. And, and I'll answer that by saying, yes, that's up on the web. Report that you're looking out there, uh, this broken down byline item by department uh, gives the very detailed breakdown that we have uh, on the budget proposed. That is out there, that'll remain out there. Uh, the commission will adopt at their mid month meeting, and then that document will still be available uh, for review then as an approved budget. Right. Um, and, and most of you know, um, my department has an open door policy. So you can make an appointment or call me or email me, and I'll be more than happy to share with you um, anything, any information that we have. Um, I like to be completely transparent. This commission has an open door policy. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mr. Chair, uh, I just want to make one, one statement and, and also just ask. Uh, first of all, I, let me let Ms. McLaughlin kind of explain how, how we do our budget uh, process. I mean, just like 10 seconds on <laughs> how, how we do it on the county level because of, of where our budget starts, comparison to how municipalities do. And, you know, how we basically doing a, so we, a guesstimation yes. because of you know, uh, we we do, and like I said, we don't. We're not fortunate enough to under to see what our largest revenue line item is going to look like. We have to adopt a budget for that, so it presents a challenge. Um, but as far as like going through the budget, once we get those budget requests and we compile them in your budget books, mm -hmm. and then we sit down and we go through every single department, every single line item, and I and I provide for you three years worth of actual historical data on every single line item, whether it's expense or revenue. I also give you the current budget and the year-to-date actuals and then the proposed amount so that you have everything that you should need to, stand, to sit and make a decision of what a department should be able to operate on. Um, and if those departments put in a request for something higher or something different, then they were required to provide a narrative um, and a cost estimate of why something is needed and how it's going to help them and how much it's going to cost. Right. And, and then also, Ms. Chair, I, I just wanted to make a statement about, you know, about the merit and the, and the COLA. And of course, you know, every year we, we, we try to do everything that we can to, to take care of our, our employees. But I know since this pandemic, I've been on multiple uh, Zoom calls uh, with other county commissioners throughout the state. And truly, we're blessed to have not have been to the position where we had to furlough uh, any of our employees. And I've, I've been on calls even recent as this week on some of the state boards that I, I sit on where they're furloughing. Uh, their employees, maybe either one once a week or twice a week. So, trust me in, in, in uh, what Commissioner Stevens was saying. You know, we everyone on this board, you know, we would love to be able to give the cola and mayor every year, but being good stewards of of the money that, that we have, we also have to make sure that that we have a, a real balance. And again. Uh, 
I'd rather us hold the line and have to, you know, uh, let anyone go or do any furlough. So also, you know, I, I just wanted to make that statement, not just for us, but, you know, for the citizens to understand that uh, in these positions, we have to make some difficult choices, and I'd rather us hold the line than ha have any of our citizens, I mean, any of our employees, you know, stay in that yeah. mile, so make that statement. Thank you, sir. No more questions, Mr. Brown? I, I have one okay. question. Right, Kim, you, so what we're looking at here is a, a deficit of $2 million. No, sir, that's a change. Well, it I means mean, it's, our budget is going to increase by $2.7 million. So that's going to be a millage increase of? I can't say that. I, I can tell you um, I am cautiously <clears throat> optimistic that there will be enough real growth and reassessed growth that maybe we could hold the millage the same. We don't know. I, I don't know the level of each of those. And the, the third thing that impacts that is the amount of, of exemptions, because as I understand, those exemptions have continued to grow, whether it's the KDW, whether it's the disabled veteran, whether it's the Freeport we have significant exemptions that sometimes in the past have outpaced the growth. So there have been years where we've had an increase in the gross digest, an increase in the exemptions, to where we have a net decrease in the digest from one year to another. And that's a real, that's a real hard thing to work with because you've, you've got growth in your digest, but the exemptions outpace it, and so now you've got a, a, a decrease in your net digest from one year to another. And if you apply the same millage rate to a, a digest of lesser value, you produce less income. So I can't tell you that it's going to take a millage rate, a millage increase. I know this board has talked about um, what happens if the digest doesn't produce what we've budgeted it would be at that point that you make the difficult decision to either cut some things, to either scale back on, on the fire services, or to keep the reassessed growth and or increase the millage rate. So it's, I would not try and even guess right now if it will take a millage increase, because I don't know. One note for that, too, and I, and I apologize for not mentioning it. We, we had talked about this. One thing that you did last year when you get a look at what that digest is going to do, cap, proposed capital outlay change was about 535 uh, as part of this, almost 536. What we would recommend is we hold off on those capital outlays until we do get a look at the digest to see what it will produce. If you remember last year, we went back and examined the fund balance to see what level we had in that. Uh, and made the conscientious decision to use fund balance for any necessary capital items, that could be a way that that gets helped out also. That's right. And so, so I, I do want to make fun, a note yeah. that cap, these capital items that are proposed in here at 535, 682 would be held unless absolutely necessary. They would come out of the chute then in a January time frame or once we get a look at the military. Yeah, actually, the the total capital is about six twenty. The change is the is the five hundred. But yes, if you get your digest, that is one thing that we've done in the past to say, okay, we're for your fund balance policy allows you to say we're going to use fund balance for the one time purchase of capital items, not for operational expenses. And so that would be one thing that you could do 
uh, when you when you get the digest, if it doesn't produce that revenue, you could allow fund balance to cover at least the cost of the capital items, which would be about six hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Well, we, which is about half a mil. I don't. Hmm. I really kind of wish we'd started cola in the beginning of the meeting and then end with something else <laughs> because it's the last thing we're talking about are the employees that are here and funding the actuary for those the retirement and all. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I know it's. We always are going through everybody else's budgets, uh, constitutional officers, and looking at everything we've got, and, and our employees, our employees, and they're going to be employees within the court system. I'm sure it's going to be furloughed, um, I understand. So for us not to do that, I hope we are prudent in using the fund balance, but if the time comes that we have to these employees are important to us because you can replace them, but you can't replace the knowledge that some of them's got for a period of time. Just like the firemen. I mean, if we could just go off out there and hire 20 firemen that are all ready to go, dressed and suited and been through training, we'd be fortunate, but we're not going to be able to do that. So um, let's just keep that in the back of the mind. I mean, Mr. Frazier brought it up there. That's one of our greatest you know, resources that we've got right here. And I don't want us to, uh, I've been in here before and we've had to do some things that's not been pleasant and it's usually not pleasant for our employees. Um, they've got a good job and they've worked through the coronavirus and I haven't heard a complaint. I mean, I know personally coming in and out of here as many times as I did, everybody was taking it with a grain of salt and moving on. And I know we'll get through it, but let's, um, Let's make sure that we look out for these folks. Um, exactly. For the future. Mm -hmm. That's all I got. Yeah. I'm reminded as we speak, <clears throat> the, um, one of the reasons you invest in your community is to get dividends from your community. And when I say that, not just city of Hinesville, countywide, I think we've invested in our community, and the growth has been the result of it. Now, we didn't plan for <laughs> the <No>. pandemic, <laughs> but our investment is still good. We just have to wait for our investment to rebound yeah. and to bring back the dividends that, that, uh, that, that we were seeing because uh, uh, you would report that our sale tax you know, was doing really well. It was. And then, of course, I think on the yeah, development, development Authority side, and we've got some good industry, industrial partners. Uh, paying some good salaries. So, so that's part of your investment in your community to help offset some of this. And then when I see Jeff out here, you know, LCPC has done a great job accommodating people, whether it be commercial or residential. Uh, of course, the Mayor Flemington is here too. So we, we have the, the right mechanism in place. We just, we, we're a little bit sidelined because of something that none of us could, <laughs> no. could plan for. So we're all optimistic about whether digestion is going to show. Uh, but you're right, uh, Commissioner Walton, she's right. It, then at the end of the day, though, we have to sit and put the pieces of puzzles together mm -hmm. to, uh, to uh, support this budget that we have here, knowing that our first commitment has been, and I hope it remains to be, standing up our fire department because we, we made a promise to the citizens that we were going to provide countywide, mm -hmm. as an incorporated Liberty County fire service, so that anyone that dials 911, night or day, there's somebody coming to their rescue. Somebody coming. There's somebody coming. So, so if nothing else, we're gonna do that. You know? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do that and more. I'm more. I'm, so I'm, I'm not. I'm not being pessimistic. And more. We just gotta wait and see, you know, how it all pans out. But, uh, but, I, but that's why you invest in your community 
you know, to get the dividend. So, so, but you just don't plan for it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but this too shall pass. This too shall pass. None of us know what the new norm is going to look like, you know. But, uh, but Liberty County, we may be down, but we're not out. We're not out. We're not out. Any other questions? Comments? All right. So we, we need to um, go out of public uh, hearing then. So move. Second. Second. All in favor, raise your right hand, please. All right. Go back into regular session. Somebody make that motion, please. Is there a second to that? Second. Yes. All in favor? All right. Back into regular session. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. McLaughlin and your team for the work that you do. <laughs> now we had invited Doctor. You gonna get him on the phone? We're gonna try. To okay. Do that, sir. All right. Dr. Lawton Davidson. Now, uh, Commissioner Thrift is familiar with him. I call him the guru of the Coastal Health District. He is. He's done very good during this pandemic and keeping everybody yeah. updated. He's yeah. been very busy. Mm-hmm. I know there has been some questions about uh, what goes on Liberty County, so we we invited him to come and uh, brief us. Telephonically. All right, sir, are you there? I'm here, are you? Yes, sir. I think we are. It's a little different for everybody in the room, so we're, we're going to try. And uh, I think uh, maybe Chairman, uh, if you can hear the Chairman, just make sure the Speaker will pick it up. Dr. Davis. Hello, sir. Good, sir. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good, good. Good to have you with us. I was telling Dr. Davis I, I witnessed him presenting to the Cabinet County Board of Commissioners. You know how I feel about that kind of thing. <laughs> so, all right, let's do it in liberty. Do it in liberty. So, if you will, so just give us an overview of uh, of what's going on with the COVID uh, pandemic in in our area, our neck of the woods. I can barely hear you, Mister Lovett. Okay. Well, I think you said tell what's going on with uh, COVID nineteen. Is that correct? That's correct, sir. Y- yes, sir. That's correct. Okay, y'all can hear me. Okay, if I just speak normally. Yes, or maybe a, maybe a little stronger. How about this? Yeah, that's great. All right, here we go. <laughs> we had our first case of COVID-19 diagnosed in our district on March the 18th, and the first case in Liberty County was on March the 23rd. As of today, just a little while ago, your reported cases were at 82, and unfortunately today we... Uh, received a report of the, the first confirmed death in Liberty County, which was in an 89-year-old male who had some pretty you know, underlying complicating conditions. Of those 82 people, cases, 48% are males and 52% are females. 66 of the ones that we know the race for, there are a couple of the races unknown, but 66% are African-American, 28% are white, and 5% are of other ethnicity. 
and 17% of those people have been hospitalized. Looking at your zip code data, which is up, was updated this morning at about 9 or 9.30, as you would expect, the majority are in 31313, which I believe is Hinesville. There are two zip codes that correspond to Fort Stewart, and they have a total of 10 reported there. And then the Midway zip code, 31320, has 13. There are a couple of other cases scattered around, but we don't normally report anything under five in a zip code. But that's kind of where you are zip code-wise. So we definitely have evidence of ongoing community transmission, but it is what I would describe as low to minimal. You're rolling at your seven-day rolling average is only 2.1 cases per day. And you've had two days in the last week or so, with, uh, 10 days maybe, where you've had sort of little spikes. On the 22nd, you had 14 reported. And on the 30th, you had nine reported. And both of those correspond to times when we had pop-up spots either a few days ahead of time in your county or in Long or McIntosh. So I believe those would account for those two blips on your radar screen. For our overall area in the coastal health district, we, I think that the overall seroprevalence, and that would be a term that means the presence of antibodies in SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19, is actually very low. When we first started testing, uh, we were testing primarily people who were symptomatic or health care providers and first responders, and so our rate of positivity was in the 8-10% range. But now that we're testing everybody, we're getting about 1.82% positive tests. Uh, that's good news and it's bad news. The good news part is that we probably have flattened the curve. And so we never overwhelmed our healthcare system. The bad news means that there are still a lot of people out there who have not yet been infected and are in what we call the naive population. That doesn't mean they're not, you know, very experienced. It just means they've never run into COVID-19 before. Probably the best estimate of the level of penetration of the virus in the community comes from looking at data that some of our hospitals have accumulated once they began reopening for uh, elective outpatient surgery, and they're basically testing everybody that's going to come in for a procedure. So these would, by definition, be people who are asymptomatic, and the rate of positive tests in that population from several hospitals is about 0.5%. So we do not have a huge population burden that's running around with virus in our area. Again, that's good news and bad news. Um, things on the horizon, things to talk about and on the horizon, there are at least three vaccines that are in phase one human trials, each of which has shown some promising early results, but it will be some time before we know that would prove that, yes, it really is effective, and then you have to make sure it's safe, and then you have to do all these other things. So I think that the earliest you could possibly expect the vaccine would be late December, January, February. 
and I'm, I'm quoting Dr. Fauci, and I don't pretend to be Dr. Fauci, but he says the reason that it's potentially could be available this early is that manufacturers are going ahead and ramping up production capability based on early results, whereas in normal circumstances they would not do that. They would wait for the phase one, and if that were good, then they would ramp up and produce more vaccine and go to phase three or two or whatever. But in, in this particular instance, they're sort of hedging their bets and taking a bit of a financial risk and ramping up their production capability such that um, if the phase three trials prove that it, A, is effective and B, is safe, they would already be in the production uh, mode, and so vaccine would be available for the general population much earlier than is usual. There's also a medication that you've, I'm sure you've read about called Remdesivir. That is an antiviral medication. Uh, it was developed uh, 10 or 12 years ago, hopefully to treat Ebola virus. It turned out it didn't do very well with Ebola virus, but it seems to actually be beneficial uh, for a reasonable percentage of people with COVID-19. So there are multiple drug studies ongoing with remdesivir. The other thing people often ask me about is antibody testing. And I'm going to give you, again, the good news and the bad news. The bad news first is that most of the antibody tests that are out there and currently available in urgent care centers or private physicians' offices really are not very sensitive or very specific. And what that means is that if it gives you a positive result, you don't know whether it's because you were previously infected with COVID-19 or if you were previously infected with some other coronavirus, of which there are several, or possibly even just some other virus in general. So they're not very specific. Um, the other thing we don't know about antibody tests is even if we were to know for certain that those antibodies had developed in response to COVID-19, we don't know that they are protective. We don't know that they confer immunity. Um, and that would go, that's one of the cautionary notes on the vaccines as well. We know that some of these vaccines are inducing the development of the types of antibodies that we expect to be protective what are called neutralizing antibodies. They neutralize the virus in your body before it makes you sick. But there are absolutely zero tests in humans that show that the vaccine, the antibodies induced by these vaccines will actually be protective. And thus far, there are still absolutely zero studies that show that people who recover from COVID-19 are immune to reinfection. So um, there are some antibody tests that are very sensitive and specific, but they're mainly in reference labs like at CDC or Emory or wherever. And there are some ongoing studies that are looking, seeking to determine how widespread the virus is in our population. But those are not the rapid screening tests that are available to the general population yet. And the good news is that probably pretty soon one of these will hit the market, and it'll be very sensitive and specific, and it'll be fairly cheap, and it'll be easy to administer. And when we have those, that will be wonderful. 
um, but we don't have it yet. So the, the biggest unknown, the most worrisome unknown about this whole thing is that issue of immunity. Uh, is somebody who contracts COVID-19, becomes symptomatic, and gets well or you know, recovers, are they immune? We know, unfortunately, that there are some people who either have a recurrence or, you know, either a reinfection or it just bounces back later on. Um, I read one study, it seemed like somewhere around 10% of people might relapse or else develop a second infection. And we just flatly do not know the answer to that question yet. Um, A couple of other things that are, I was looking at my notes here, a couple of other things that would be in the good news category. You know, we talk about disinfecting surfaces, and I would certainly encourage you to continue to do so because that is a theoretical possibility for transmission. And certainly do not shake hands with somebody who might be sick and just cough or sneeze on his hands. But so far there is no documented study showing confirming transmission from a surface to a human. So we don't have any proof yet that somebody has rubbed their hands on a table that somebody else was at earlier and then rubbed their eyes and gotten sick. And that's good news. Still clean your buildings, clean your schools, clean your offices, clean your door handles and your, you know, the faucets, the handles on your faucets and toilets. But um, maybe you can take a little bit of comfort in there. Also, there have been no documented instances of foodborne outbreaks of COVID-19. We all read about, you know, uh, gastroenteritis hitting a cruise ship caused by a norovirus outbreak. We have not documented that with COVID-19. The last thing would be sunlight. It does appear that bright sunlight, particularly midday sunlight, the UV light, seems to inactivate the virus and can do it fairly quickly. So, you know, if you've got something you want to sterilize, maybe you just go sit it outside at about 11 in the morning and pick it up about 3 in the afternoon, and you're probably good to go. <laughs> um, so uh, the last question would be, how do we ever emerge from this thing? Uh, and we've got a lot of, some people say we never will, but it will become endemic, meaning it's always in the, running in the background like several of the other coronaviruses are and like influenza is and like HIV is. Um, but certainly uh, two emerge from the pandemic. One of two things or both have to happen. We either need to develop an effective treatment, and I mentioned remdesivir, but we need something better than that, or we need to develop vaccine that is safe and effective in which it induces or produces immunity. In the absence of either one of those, and we don't have either one of them yet, there are really only a couple of tools that we have that have been shown to be effective. One is social distancing. And we're all tired of hearing about social distancing, and we'll come back to that in a minute. And the other is case investigation. Well, excuse me social distancing in conjunction with the other good public health hygiene practices like wearing a face mask out in public, covering your coughs and sneezes, washing your hands often, using the hand sanitizer, et cetera. 
The other is case investigation and contact tracing. And I'm proud of our team here in the Coastal Health District. We've been able to contact over 90% of the people who have been confirmed as having COVID-19. We interview those people and or their families if they happen to be sick in the hospital. And we get a list of the close contacts. And then we contact those contacts. And we discuss with them the fact that they were exposed, that they need to quarantine themselves or isolate if they happen to be symptomatic. There's a subtle difference in the two. Um, and encourage them to come in for tests if that seems to be appropriate. And those are really the only thing, the only tools we have in the absence of a treatment or a vaccine. Social distancing with face mask and hand washing, ACE investigation and contact tracing. A couple of th other notes uh, said I would come back to social distancing. Basically, anything you can do outside is probably better than doing it inside, such as eating at a restaurant, having a meeting, you know, whatever. It seems that in instances where, where a group of people are together indoors, for a period of time, maybe that's 30 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour or something. Think about church or wedding or funeral. If you're going to be inside with a group of other people for an extended period of time, that six-foot social distancing, any benefit you were going to derive from that is probably tossed right out the window. I talked to a pastor, and you know a pastor would never tell me an untruth, especially a Methodist minister because I'm a Methodist. <laughs> um, and he is very big into choirs and singing, and he has come across some information that says the proper social distancing for choir members indoors is actually 30 feet, not six feet. And the reason is that you would be exhaling very hard because you're singing, and you would also be inhaling very forcefully. So not only would somebody who's potentially infected exhale more of those droplets, but the people next to them would inhale more of them. Same thing with bars. Um, you know, most of the time you're in a small space, it's noisy. Uh, you may be slightly lubricated, so you're going to be talking more loudly than usual and laughing a lot, and you're going to be up close to the person you're trying to communicate with because otherwise they can't hear you. And that is why bars seem to be a particularly great way to transmit um, this virus. I read one thing recently, if you'll allow me one a little attempted humor, that said if, if you're wondering whether COVID-19 is serious, look at it this way. The churches are closed and the bars are closed. And any time heaven and hell agree on the same thing, it must be serious. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Having said all that, um, I'll pause here and try to answer questions. Thank you, sir. Enjoy. Questions for Dr. Dr. Davis? Dr. Davis, I'm trying to remember. I, there, there were some questions at one time about the I, number of cases. If somebody's that, talking to me, I can't hear it. I'm yeah. sorry. How, did they roll off? Is that, was that the question about people? Yes, yeah, sir. Just like he was saying, 
if, if they catch it one time, they could, they, they could. Catch it again. Does that count for one or does that count for two? I think that would count. So, Dr. Davis, it was do the old cases, when, when do they or do they roll off? And if somebody recontracts the virus, is that counted as a new case? Okay. <clears throat> We're not actually actively keeping account of how many individuals we have. Uh, we know how many people are in what we call active monitoring at any one time, but I can't tell you exactly how many in your county you have rolled off and how many are currently uh, in in our active monitoring program. We basically don't have the horsepower to do that, but what we do is um, you know, we provide them with the information about isolation and quarantine. And of course, if they're a confirmed case, they have to uh, stay isolated for a minimum of 10 days and for three days after they their symptoms have cleared and they've been afebrile without the use of anything that would suppress fever. All of those people are being asked to be retested in order to for clearance to go back to work. And some of those people test positive. We don't count that person as a new case. Okay. okay. But we also don't know for sure exactly what to tell them. There are people who have been what we call serial positives for six weeks. And I'm not sure that anybody really knows for sure what to do with those people. You read one article that says, especially healthcare facilities need to be careful with those people. And then you read others that say, well, we've never been able to culture enough virus to be infected with anybody after, you know, after 10 days of illness. So I just, I don't know the answer to that. If the same person became reinfected two months later, and we've had that ourselves, one classic, or our best example of this is a family uh, where she was sick, tested positive, then her family, the kids and her husband, both all tested positive. She recovered, became asymptomatic. They all were tested about two weeks later. They were all negative. And then about three or three and a half weeks later, she got sick again and had to be hospitalized, and she tested positive again. So is that a relapse, or is that a reinfection with you know, a slightly different virus? I don't know. Um, but we do you know, maintain people in our active monitoring program, and they're called... Uh, it, some of them will opt to use an online app, which works intermittently. Otherwise, we call them every day and we ask them about their fever and their symptoms and how they're doing. And we do that until they reach the end of their isolation or quarantine period. And so perhaps if we get more epidemiologic help in our office, we'll be able to go back and start you know, tallying exactly how many are there. But... Um, on that active monitoring program, but at the moment I can't tell you that. Mr. Chairman, can, can you ask him the uh, number of cases that he's reporting are from the ones that the health department records and the one like urgent care or diversity would? Are those numbers all going to 
that central look to him? The question, the question is the numbers that you're capturing at Coastal Health District, uh, are they inclusive of other entities that are testing or just Coastal Health District testing only? No. We receive reports of every single positive test done anywhere in Georgia. So we get the hospital reports, we get the urgent care reports, we get the federally qualified health center reports, we get the Fort Stewart reports. You know, and we get, so anybody who's a resident of Georgia that has a test that's positive from whatever source is reported to us. Okay. That's all I had, Mr. That's all encompassing. Okay. And I, I might point out um, that I've sort of struck up a little relationship with Dr. Watts at Fort Stewart, and he, we're communicating and sharing data, and that's been both helpful and interesting, I think, for both of us. All right, we're good. Sir, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, chairman says, thank you very much. I'm sorry you can't hear them very well, and we'll work on that as we go forward some. Uh, but we greatly appreciate your time this evening and to provide the update, and thank you for all you're doing. Well, thank you very much as well, and it's probably better that all you had to do was hear me rather than look at me. <laughs> thank you, sir. And we'll be we'll be talking again tomorrow on the regular updates. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. Good. Good to have the guru to report. Liberty County specific data. Uh, let's see. We have LCPC. We need to go to public hearing for a rezoning request. Gentlemen. Nice. All right. Uh, Sharon, a motion to go in the public hearing. So moved. Second. Second. All in favor? Here, Mr. All right. How are y'all doing? Good to see you again. Good to see you too. Yeah. All right. So let's see here. Rezoning. So a rezoning petition has been uh, filed to rezone 2.47 mm -hmm. acres of land, more or less, uh, from A1 Agricultural to AR1 Agricultural Residential District. Uh, sorry, A1 and AR1 to B2. Uh, so the, the parcel is zoned A1 and AR1 currently will become B2. It uh, was submitted by Nate Jones, the owner. Uh, property is located on East Oglethorpe Highway, described as parcel 121077. Uh, the applicant intends to sell this section of the parcel for general commercial uses. Uh, just a note, the Board of Commissioners zoned part of this parcel to B2 in 1979 and then another part of the parcel to B2 in 1993. Uh, this is kind of a weird jumble, but the map will make it make sense. Uh, this parcel is located in District 1 and was approved unanimously by the Planning Commission on the May 19th meeting. Uh, here's our legal ad and sign. So this is what the zoning map looks like currently over there. As you can see, this front part here is AR1. There's a tiny sliver here that's A1 that we're wanting to rezone as well. And this property stretches all the way back. It's about eight acres total. Uh, Mr. Jones is hoping to uh, rezone this, this segment of it here, you can see and sell off this portion here as two little commercial parcels to someone to have frontage on uh, East Oglethorpe Highway. Mm -hmm. And so I made a little map of what it would look like in the future. Um, you can see there's going to be, uh, you can't quite see here, there will still be a little sliver of the, the agricultural zoning behind that black bar here, but um, basically it would make this B2 zoning contiguous here. Uh, and this back part will still stay A1. Uh, this side on uh, the parcels on the side will still be AR1. <coughs> so it would just kind of like look back here and then fl uh, flatten the whole thing out a little bit and allow Mr. Jones to use that property for something. Mm -hmm. 
this is just a vicinity map so you can see where it is. If you're coming down 84 away from Hinesville and you pass Homestown Road on your right, it, it'll be over here. There's the, the churches right across the way here. Uh, so our zoning analysis. Uh, the property does have reasonable economic value as currently zoned. Uh, it does purport, uh, conform to the JLUS. Uh, does it conform to the comprehensive plan? Yes, the area is designated as a commercial and mixed-use rural corridor. Uh, there will not be an adverse effect on the value and usability of nearby properties. Uh, the proposed use is suitable in view of nearby uses. The zoning proposal will not create an undue burden on transportation. Uh, this will not allow a short-term gain at the expense of long-term goals. Uh, possibly could cause a domino effect. Uh, there are no unique historical sites to be noted nearby. Uh, this parcel is not in a flood hazard area. Uh, would not be considered spot zoning uh, because those other two portions were, again, already zoned B2 right next to it. Uh, and unique conditions, uh, again, just restating that portions of the parcel surrounding the area in question were previously zoned B2 by the Board of Commissioners. So the uh, LCPC recommendation is approval with standard conditions. All right, uh, Commissioner Stevens. This is yep. Your district, sir. Do you have any objections from anyone? No, sir. I've not gotten any comments on this. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mr. Mr. Brown. Well, just chairman, for the record, I was, was going to say uh, no one appeared uh, to be able to uh, speak at the public hearing, and we don't have any comments on Facebook about okay. any questions to speak. Okay. Oh, question. Yes, sir. Mr. Stevens, is that that's next to Robbie's house, Robbie, that works out there with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's correct. Did, did they say anything about it that you know of? say anything about it. Uh, he, no, he, uh, Mr. Bacon didn't say anything about it at all, and no one across from the church, no, that's right across from Wilderness Baptist Church, and no one said anything. Okay. And it, I guess it would be, um, what's the other church right across from Wilderness? Um, Zion... Zion Temple. Zion, Zion Temple. Okay. Right. Okay. I just, I, I remember you talking about um, the car lot down there in the diesel lane, you know, down there at one end of Wright's Lake. It, is this going to be kind of the same thing, going to be commercial, where how are they going to get off the road there? Is there, a, is there a road there that they can go down? Or, or is it going to have to have a diesel lane if it's, if they turn off of 84, I know Commissioner Stevens had mentioned there's no turning lane in that road, right? No, there's no turning lane at all. So if he comes off there, will he go in? Nate go Jones back to the other picture. There is a sort of a, I believe they're going to pave over it in some way, but there is a, a, a drive going up this way on the left side of the property. What, there's also a drive if you come up here a little bit, and then mm -hmm. I don't know if you can quite see it there. Let me pull back a little bit. You can see maybe behind there, there's a little drive coming in that way too. Um, they would expect that to feed into this parcel. However, this one over here, uh, he's planning to, like I said, split this into two parcels up here. Uh, this one would probably require people to enter through the front off of 84, yes, sir. Um, that would be something we'd address when they did the subdivision of the property, which is a separate well, I knew he, he, Commissioner Stevens had mentioned that one time, and I have noticed it lately right straight across from Tyson Road there. That's, um, there's no diesel lane in that traffic. Mm -hmm. Backed up there pretty bad, and I, I know that's that could be a jam there if it's going to be commercial. But that's all I had about it. I just want to make yes, sure sir. that 
He's communicated too about that. Yes, sir. Uh, and just for reference, uh, one of the parcels is going to be used for a sort of like a barbecue kiosk. It's going to be like a pickup place. Um, the other one, I don't believe he's found like a specific buyer yet. Actually, the barbecue, the one we're talking about right now is going to come about right there. Uh, about right. Yeah, actually, right there I and it's out. Be right here. Yeah. About. Okay. Okay. All right. Mr. Chair? Yes, sir. I'll make a motion that we follow the recommendation of LCPC. Second. Mr. Brown, we're voting. I'm having a brain cream. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Motion second that we approve LCPC's recommendation. Uh, all in favor, raise your right hand, please, for this. Those opposed? All right. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Thank you, sir. You did good. Mm -hmm. oh, Very good. Mm -hmm. so, uh, comprehensive <laughs> yes, sir. So it's a quick update. Um, I believe y'all should have the uh, work program for Liberty County uh, in your packets there if you'd like to reference those. But uh, this is, uh, again, a public hearing, and I've, I've got a little thing to read here. So uh, in compliance with Chapter 110-12-1.02 of the GADCA regulations, I would like to request that the Liberty County Board of Commissioners open a public hearing. This hearing will serve jointly for the City of Hinesville, the City of Flemington, the City of Waltarville, the City of Riceboro, the City of Gum Branch, the City of Midway, the Town of Allenhurst, and Liberty County. LCPC has met with all eight governmental authorities within Liberty County and created an update to the five-year work program for each jurisdiction. That work program is available for viewing in the LCPC office. In the next few weeks, LCPC will finalize the submission to the Coastal Regional Commission, and from there the submission will undergo review and then move up to the uh, DCA at the state level. We expect to receive their comments in September at the very latest, and we will bring the work programs to each respective council for adoption. And at this time, I would like for the uh, task the Board of Commissioners to open a public hearing for any comments on uh, the uh, upcoming work program. We're in public hearing. Are there any comments? There do not appear to be any, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, so uh, if you close the public hearing, we'll be all done with that. Okay. Well, Chair Taylor motion to close the public hearing. Second. All in favor? Chair Taylor motion to go back into regular session. Second. Second. All in favor? All right. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Thank you, sir. All right. Mm -hmm. Hello. 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 Um, Trent Long has, I don't know if you saw the email or got word of this, he has asked <clears throat> excuse me, that this be tabled until your next meeting. It's not ready for action by the okay. commission. All right. Is that correct? Do you yes. a motion? I don't know. We need a motion to tell you. Mm -hmm. We just pulled it. We just pulled okay. It. Okay. When does he want to bring it back? When you want to bring it back, Trent? Mid-month? Mm -hmm. Who said we have one? <laughs> we do. <laughs> On the calendar. We do. <laughs> so he, he, he's tabling the one that's, that's, uh, that's recommended for approval? Habersham Plantation Phase 2. Oh, I mean, he, he, he's winning. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We, we could have got it approved tonight. What do we do? Are we just postponing it? He bring back the mid-month. Uh, well, now, well, if he postpones it, we tell him when to bring it back. That's what yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this. <laughs> Two months from now. I'm looking at the presentation here. It's recommended for approval. Yeah. 
<laughs> you might would have got it approved or not, Trent. Oh, sweetheart. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, sweetheart. Okay, okay, so the next item we have here is the preliminary plat for Auburn Ridge Phase 2 subdivision. I believe this may get a different name because there already is an Auburn Ridge. That's sure why is. Phase 2 is kind of in parentheses there. Um, this is property owned by Dryden Enterprises. It, uh, ME SAC Engineering is, is doing the work for the project. It's a 46-lot subdivision for single-family homes on a total of 20.12 acres. It's on Charlie Butler Road. And um, as you may recall, part of this property was once in the city of Midway. The city de-annexed it, so the entire property now is in Liberty County. The property is a combination of four deeds, it's, it, um, which you can kind of see on here. How do I get this pointer to work? There we go. So there's there's... There's a little parcel here. There's one that wraps around it, and then there's two in the back. This is Oglethorpe Highway. This is Charlie Butler Road. The interchange is up here. This is flipped around from the previous one because, as far as the orientation of this map, because the plat is orientated this way, oriented. This is the final, the preliminary plat. It actually is in two sections, but I want to I showed this because there's a few things I'd like to point out that's easier to do, seeing the whole subdivision in one. Um, it, this property is has a few wetlands, jurisdictional wetlands. There's a section up here and then back in here, and it crosses under the proposed road into this area. There is drainage in this parcel here, along in here, along here that goes back and then over to this area. So there are drainage easements that are going to be dedicated to the county with this project. It is going to be served by the public water and sewer services of the city of Midway. It includes a, a pump station, a sewer pump station on this parcel right here. You'll notice that quite a few of these lots also have uh, front on Charlie Butler Road, but there is a note on the plat that there will be no access for these lots onto Charlie Butler Road. And because there is a note on the plat, we didn't feel it needed a special condition to ensure that. So this is the first, first half of the plat on the north side. And this is continuing on to the south side. Again, you can see these, the wetlands may be a little better over here mm -hmm. and the pump station plot right here. So the lot standards uh, for this development is a minimal usable lot area of 6,000 square feet. And as you may recall, what we, usable means you can't, you don't include any easements, you don't include any wetlands or any land that the property owner actually cannot use. And the lots will range in size from 6,000 square feet to just over 16,500 square feet. The minimum lot width is 60 feet, and the lots range from 60 to over 150 feet in lot width. Setbacks are 15 feet to the front, seven and a half to the side, and the rear setback is 25 feet. The dedication, proposed dedications to the county are approximately a little over a half a mile of new streets and the drainage easements for the functional maintenance of the stormwater management facilities, which includes those ponds and some swales. Um, 
because this, as I mentioned, that the property, the total subdivision is in four different deeds um, to help provide clarity for title searches, uh, a special condition is warranted such that they had to record a recombination plat. So then basically going back, you don't have to look, you know, a property could potentially be described previously in three different deeds or part of three different deeds. It just makes it easier. They only have to refer back to the one recombination deed. LCPC uh, recommends approval with standard and special conditions of the preliminary plat for Auburn Ridge Phase Two subdivision. Our standard conditions and, as I just mentioned, the special condition that a recombination plat have to be recorded prior to final plat approval. So that gives them some time to get that done. Mm-hmm. Mr. Uh. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> yeah. uh, <clears throat> you're saying this is the same property that part of it was in the city of Midway, correct? Correct. And then they more or less in turn released it back to the county. The annex. Now, now the city of Midway is going to be providing them water. And sewer. And sewer. I mean, win-win-win uh, for the county, I guess. <laughs> you win. I mean, uh, now, where, go back to your pictures. This, one, this, this shows the entire subdivision. Is that the one you're... No, I want to go back to your one showing, uh, like, okay, right there. Where is City Hall at now? City Hall is right in this corner right here. Right there? Yes. Yes, sir. And where's the Wetland Interpretive Center? The Wetland Interpretive Center, I believe, is, the back. is back in here. Back in here. Okay. And the, this, the, um, the former city line was right around in this area, so a majority of the property was in Liberty County anyhow. Mm -hmm. But they had the opportunity to actually annex. With how annex goes, Mr. Brown, they could have annexed the whole thing if they wanted to, right? Yes, right. I mean, I don't know of anything that would prohibit them from doing that because we don't have any services down there anyway. Well, I mean... I can, I can elaborate on that a little bit uh, if you'd like me to. Uh, they, they attempted to annex in the city. Couldn't annex them because of the state laws, because of the... Uh, Creation of an island. It wasn't, it wasn't for lack of track. Oh, okay. Well, well, they could have annexed the whole track uh, by, by taking the legislative action that anybody can take when they wanted property owner acquisition or to acquiesce in that, and one property owner did not, which would have created the island. But, yes, they could have uh, annexed the whole track if they so desired under means that they have by law. Correct. Yeah. If, uh, it's my understanding that there are three properties on the other side of the road that are surrounded by Liberty County. Is that correct? And one of those properties did not want to be annexed. So, so in the that future, so in the future, <clears throat> City of Midway will be collecting and maintaining the benefit from the sewer and the water, mm -hmm. and Liberty County will be responsible for the roadway. Correct. Mm -hmm. We'll be getting the 
in the taxes. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there any taxes in the city of Midway Market? No. No. Let, let me ask a question. I, I, I know this commission, Stevens District. How many homes total are in this subdivision? The both both phases there. It's um. The phase one, phase one, uh, maybe Marks can speak to that one. I don't know, but this one has 46 lots. Okay. 13. How many total? 38? 13 in phase one and 46 in phase two. So these, the part that's down from the, the other subdivision he built, Marcus, that means in that one. 13. It's not 14. very big. Yeah. What is it? It's Auburn Ridge One. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ridge, Trying to figure out what I mean at an average home in there about what the tax base would be on that. Those were, those were pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. They were. Yeah. <coughs> they were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's not been anything on it for years, so yeah. just yeah. build houses on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one, one um, that was, Joey, um, you might can help me with this, but somewhere in that same area, what, there's a water line that belongs to the development authority somewhere in there? Mm, not that one. Not, not, not there? I think it's further up somewhere. Fuck. Before. This, this property used to be in, in the uh, service delivery area for the development authority way back when they gave that back to us mm -hmm. for this development and, and the previous development. I think we crossed that bridge on both of them. We got a letter uh, from the development authority saying that it could go out. Okay. I, I just re remember something about the development authority having something right. somewhere in there. Okay. Right. All right. Uh, All right. Steven. Chairman, I make a motion we follow the recommendation of the LCPC. Second, Mr. Chairman. Bring, the, bring the, the money home. Auburn yeah. Ridge, too. All in favor, raise your right hand. Yeah. It's approved, ma'am. Yeah, uh, Commissioner Stevens, I, I brought that up because um, <laughs> I, I, I thought uh, Midway thought they was getting a deal. I just wanted to make sure that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Marcus. Yo, have a good evening. GDOT Resolution CARES Act funding. Yes, sir. We uh, were made aware of some uh, funds that were provided by GDOT that could go to airports uh, to offset expenses related to COVID. And so um, we applied for a grant and were accepted. And if the board would adopt this resolution, it would allow $30,000 to come in a one-time payment uh, to the partnership that would be used to help offset expenses at the airport. So move. Second. Second. All in favor, raise your right hand. Good. Bring it home. Approved, sir. I didn't, you, you didn't even have to finish reading the whole thing, Joy Wins. Uh, money was coming this way. It says no match, too. No match. Money, free, free money coming this way. Are you coming with money? 
Come on, Miss Hart. We rolling on. Now. Come on, Miss Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you. Good evening. So um, keep it rolling then. <laughs> um, my name is Crystal Hart, and I'm the 2020 Census Coordinator for Liberty County. I want to um, say it's been a pleasure to get Liberty County counted. We are near the end of our portion. We are going to be handing it over to the Census Bureau to let the counters finish it on out. So we'll have an update of what we've been doing this last year and a half. Am I clicking? Oh. You the clicker? There we go. Okay. okay, so of course we know the census is important for three main reasons. That's money, power, and safety. Um, in Liberty County and across nations across the community, I'm sorry, the country, are making sure that they're getting everyone counted so that we can get funding, federal funding for things that we need, essential programs, everything from health care to food programs and education. Even COVID funding was based on census data, so we need to make sure that we have the right numbers for our community. The second reason, of course, is political power and representation so that our seats in Congress can be um, reapportioned correctly and that we can have proper districting with our state and local governments. And then the third reason is so that we can see how our community changes. We can have data to make sure we plan for the future. So because of COVID, um, the timeline for census shifted a little bit. I should have been done by April 1st, but we have now seen that the COVID timeline has shifted us to October 31st, 2020, when the census count will be complete. So typically the census is completed by July 31st. The new date is October 31st. So we have until October 31st to get everyone counted. Um, operations have been suspended right now, and we will be going back out in August is when census workers will go out. So right now my job is kind of to do some virtual outreach and wrap up our portion of volunteer outreach so that the census workers can do field operations in August. So as of May 27th, um, our numbers for Liberty County are pretty good. Um, we are marking, well, we're striving to be at the 51% mark, and you'll see we're at 50.1%. So um, by the time census workers come in, we want to be at the 51% mark. So we're very close to um, being there. Again, the census workers won't go out until August. So we still have a little bit of time to do some virtual outreach to get our citizens counted. Um, the nation, 60% of the nation has responded, and our state of Georgia is at 56.4%. Um, I have the cities ranked in the order that they have completion rates. Flemington um, is leading the way with 59.1% being counted. When we came into this, we um, knew that Gum Branch and Walthyville may be low count areas because in the 2010 census, they had low response rates. So um, we are doing some efforts there to get the numbers up. As you can see, Gum Branch, yeah, um, Gum Branch. 30, about 30 to days go, ago, Branch. they jumped. Up the good work. <laughs> <laughs> so Gum Branch and Walthyville were um, at the in the 20% range. And um, we started our initiative to get the word out and really push some things in those areas. And Gum Branch jumped up by um, 12% in 30 days. Wow. So we're now spending the month of June to replicate some of those things in Walthyville. This week, um, the police department and fire department in Walthyville will be putting door hangers out on the doors to remind everyone to complete their census or to call if they need help. 
Um, the week after that, they will begin some phone trees where they will call individuals personally and remind them, as well as anyone who pays a bill or comes to their city offices in Walthourville will be asked if they completed the census or assisted with completing the census. So we're working really hard to make sure we can get our Walthourville numbers up um, to what some of the other municipalities are, and overall that will bring up our Liberty County totals. Just, just a quick question. Mm -hmm. uh, the 2010 numbers, mm -hmm. I, I see where we are today, mm -hmm. but where were we, uh, our final count, uh, 10 years ago? Were, were we over the 50%? So, ten, um, so 10 years ago, by the end of the early response period, we were at 55%. So again, we're close to that goal. Right now, we're at 50%. And overall, we're at 70%, 71%, I'm sorry. So by the time that the census was wrapped up on July 31st, 2010, um, Liberty County was 71% counted. Okay. And just, just one last question. Because of, 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 of course, the pandemic and everything, how will, will that go with us uh, receiving the funds and also with redistricting? Is, will, will that give us, you know, the state enough time to be able to get that in place? The, the timeline has been pushed back for that as well. So, yeah, you'll get your numbers a lot later than yeah, you normally that's, did. That's, that's what, that's what mm -hmm. I was thinking. Crystal, <clears throat> so everybody has received a little mail-out thing. Not, well... Everyone has received the reminders, but mm -hmm. because of COVID, the actual mailings did not um, reach all the household, like the paper copy. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of people have had the opportunity to do it online or call by phone, but those mailers with the paper copy hasn't reached every household yet. Okay. Um, also, the census workers, if you're in a rural area where they believe that you won't receive a paper copy in the mail, like you have a P.O. box or you just have low internet access, a census worker will come drop off a paper copy at your door. So that hasn't happened yet as well, which is why we're um, thinking that we're seeing some of that response rate drop off because those who are waiting on the paper ballots haven't been able to get it yet because it was interrupted. So paper copies should start coming out um, within the next month because census workers will be um, activated June 15th to begin some field operations. However, no census workers should be knocking on doors doing non-response follow-up until August. Okay. Mm -hmm. Crystal, how, how are we counting the military? The military is counted in three um, separate phases. The first phase is group quarter operations. And what that is, is if you are deployed or you're living in barracks, your um, the installation is provided a spreadsheet to account for everyone, and they will submit that to the Census Bureau. So the first way is group quarters operations. The second um, way is if you are living um, on Fort Stewart and you are part of the on-post housing you will complete it as though you were a regular citizen. You will count for yourself on the phone. You would do it online or you would do it by paper and they will be counted with Liberty County. So even if they live on the installation, they will be counted with Liberty County. And then if you live off of the installation and if you're still stationed or deployed, you will fill it out as everyone else did as well. So there's three ways to get counted. So if they live in Long County, they'll fill it out in the Long County section. So right. that number there, the Hinesville number, um, well, basically the Liberty County number, do we feel comfortable that, that we've got those folks counted yet? Yeah. 
Yes, we, we feel comfortable that we have them counted. The group quarters operations has been going really well as far as making sure those to deploy and those that are in barracks have been counted. We worked with um, housing on Fort Stewart to get the, uh, those individuals counted. The other portion of those who are affiliated with Fort Stewart but live off in our community, they're counted in the regular um, percentages that you see with the households. There's no distinguishing them. Thank you. Just a few more slides. So um, as of June 1st, 2020, we had 20 plus committee meetings and the committees were made up um, of different individuals and volunteers throughout our community. So we um, had over 20 meetings with those groups. We um, participated in more than 60 events. Most recently because of COVID, those included food drives and COVID testing sites, making sure we were out there with signs we were passing out um, postcards, reminding people to complete their census. We've made over 9,000 contacts, passed out um, 5,000 stickers, 4,000 postcards, 500 yard signs. Um, we've had seven print features, four radio features, and three TV features. We also sponsored a billboard, newspaper ads, and email marketing. Um, of course, the goal for us, um, that group was to reach every resident of Liberty County and Fort Stewart with the message that the census was taking place and to make sure that they were counted. Um, our second goal is to have 60% of our residents counted by July 1st. In 2010, we had 55% um, responded by that time. And then our overall goal is to have 80% of the residents to complete the census by October 31st, 2020. And in 2010, 71% completed the census. So for the next 60 days, um, our committee plan to wrap up and kind of get the virtual portion done before census workers go out is to continue to um, do promotions with stickers, postcards. We have 500 door hangers to place in um, low response areas, especially those that um, may be rural or have um, senior citizens. Um, we have about 200 yard signs we still need to put out. So if you want to put a yard sign by a campaign sign, <laughs> or if you want to put a yard sign in an area that you that a hint? <laughs> an area that you frequently visit and you see that they're missing, um, we welcome um, that as well. I'll put it out if you let me know where. Um, we're working on drive-through promotions, so those um, events that are doing drive-throughs and physical drive-throughs where there are restaurants allowing us to put promotions there, we will um, enact that church outreach, making sure that churches are spreading the word, assisting um, individuals who have questions about it, and just making sure that we are doing outreach in those communities as well. Um, we're doing increasing our website, email, and social media advertising during that time. Um, we are doing an employee count program where we are aiming for our municipalities to have 100% of their employees counted. Um, our library, we're working with the public library to do an outreach program. And of course, we're focusing on Walthardville since they are our low response area. So that's our focus for the last um, 60 days to finish strong with our volunteer portion before the Census Bureau sends out workers to count everyone. So there are four ways to respond online, 2020census.gov. You can call and give your response by the phone, 1-844-330-2020. Um, paper forms will arrive soon in the mail or someone will um, come to your home and um, deliver a form. They will not fill it out at that time. They're just leaving a form because they know you don't have a 
physical mail address or that you are in a rural area that may not have connectivity to the internet. And then in August, census workers will come to the home. So if you don't want anyone to knock on your door, we ask you to fill it out online um, by the phone or by mail. The census workers will knock on your door to um, get those filled out if you have not filled it out by August. Um, some things that we ask you to do or those who are watching um, live is to remind your supporters, constituents, family, friends, employees, and colleagues to complete their census. Um, to include a census message in all your meetings, your public meetings, um, any um, event that you're hosting. Submit locations to place census yard signs. So if you want a yard sign in your yard or any area that you frequently visit, um, just message us for those online or to let me know. Um, if there are any events that you want us to partner, the census will start sending out workers next month to events that will have heavy traffic and they will have tablets to help people on the spot. So that is something that we are looking to identify some events. Um, I know one that we've identified is the back to school rally in Riceboro in July. That will be an event where census workers will be on site to help individuals fill out their census at that event. And then also share census messages on social media. So that's all I have. You've done a good job. She sure has. <laughs> Excellent. I'm just waiting to see um, with the pandemic, what's the fallout? What's the, I was going to say defaults going to be. They're going to have to find some way to compensate um, for, yeah, yeah, there's got to, I know it's not you, but someone has to work that out. Right. Um, so that it's fair at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair at the end of the day. I'm sure the boys and girls in D.C. are, <laughs> are, are throwing that around, but I'd like to hear that from Maybe we need to talk to, to Senator Carter about it. Mm -hmm. And maybe you have had conversation because I, October 31st is the, the new deadline, so they extended deadline. it from July 31st to October 31st. I still think even at that time there's going to be some remnants of dealing with the pandemic at that time. So, and that, no doubt about it, had an effect on everything, not just the census. So, mm -hmm. someone that sits in the uh, capital city is going to have to work that out where no one's mistreated and uh, no one's uh, count that is low because of the pandemic hurts their communities. We've been working too hard for this. Mm -hmm. You had a great plan, then you had to readjust your plan. Yes. Mm -hmm. so our plan was heavily focused on one-to-one -one yeah. and being at events and creating opportunities for people together. Yeah. And then that just when through. the census went live on March 13th, COVID so ramped up as yep. well. So we yeah. um, we shifted yeah. doing everything virtually or some of those drive-through mm -hmm. events. Yeah. Um, so we're just trying to recover from that, work through it. Like I said, starting to do things in those areas that we know have a lower response rate for whatever reason. So we'll be focusing in um, on Allenhurst and Walthalville now. Okay. I have a question. Crystal, so, and, and I did mine online, so the, um, and you said that you're going to have field workers that's going to start going out in August. August. Mm -hmm. So they, they um, like me, I did mine online, so no, no one would come to my house. Right. So, so we know the ones that didn't. Right. So, well, we don't know the exact house, but by census track, there's software where we can look at and see areas that didn't do it. So the census office has the numbers of which households did not complete it. Mm -hmm. But um, as far as the software that I have available, I would be able to see down to the census tract um, who hasn't completed in that area 
by percentage. Well, I, I guess what where I was headed, um, you know, I did it, but Ed, Eddie lived next next door and he didn't do it. Um, so, so you you can count him, couldn't you? The sense. Well, Gary, gonna knock on your door. Yeah, I, I mean, um, if we know who did, but if we know who didn't, and we know who did, we, I see what we, you're we, saying. We we, well, we we got everybody, don't we? Well, the way that works is that for how per household, if. There is some talks going around that if you haven't filled out your census by the deadline and they are able to use the water consumption, they will use a formula based on that to give you who, how many people may live in the house based on water consumption. Again, that would still be a little off mm -hmm. um, and wouldn't give us the accurate count of who's in the home and how many, well, not who, because we don't know definitely who will be in the home, but how many people are living there. So we'll get close to it that way, but yeah. if everyone and, and, it out. And, and I can help because we know how much uh, garbage we pick up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so go buy garbage, not water. <laughs> so that that is something that's garbage, being considered. Uh, some waste water that we we get them one way or another. But you, you know, we, we we do need to get everybody counted. Yeah, I, we do. I, there's a lot of people here. Yeah, and yeah, um, you know, just to look at it, and I'm gonna talk with um. I'm going to call him to the office in the morning. Mayor Baker, yeah. <laughs> Walthaville is at 30%. 33. 33.9. That's, that's, that's part of my district and Marion. Yeah. yeah, you're right. We need okay. Okay. But I, I'm going to get the mayor in the morning. Let me know. I'm, so, I'm gonna talk to hey, we're going to deploy them to Walthaville. Them, okay. <laughs> yes. I got the majority working. They, they, are, um, they are putting in some things, mm -hmm. some things in place, such as the door hangers and making sure that when everyone comes up to the fire department, police department, or City Hall that they are reminded and um, assisted with completing their census. Okay. I, I How did you? I'm oh, sorry. I have a, a lot of family members on, on, that live in Walthamville. Mm -hmm. Make some calls. But I'm, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that the 33 percent are all my family. Members. Oh, okay. I thought you flipped that. Okay. <laughs> that's that's so, TMI. Man. Mrs. Hart, I, I want to definitely tell you I appreciate all your hard work and dedication, especially during Thank this time. You. I know how difficult it is. But uh, can, mm. can we look at other uh, counties adjacent to us, and especially in, in this district? Because, you know, the situation that we had 10 years ago with the deployments, that kind of uh, skewed. skewed our numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, just looking forward, just on the safe side, is there any way that, that we could get in contact with the other communities in our district so whenever we do contact our congressman and and explain to them what he already knows or what they already know, I, I just think if we could get together on a collective, all of us together, mm -hmm. and then send something to him so he know that we all understand that mm -hmm. you know all our numbers are being skewed because of, of this pandemic, then maybe that you know his he could talk to his constituents mm -hmm. or I mean the other congressmen mm -hmm. and everything and try to. Give us some type of leeway. I, I just know whenever we're dealing with with government, that you know power is, is in numbers. Any idea? <clears throat> listen to what he, uh, Commissioner Frazier said. Any idea how Bryan County is doing or how? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can look and compare. I can tell you that um, Bryan County was in um, 
in line with the state. Long, count, Long mm-hmm. County was struggling with numbers um, for a while. I haven't looked at theirs recently. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Chatham's was comparable as well. Mm-hmm. So I think um, everyone was experiencing some of the same same, same <laughs> issues. But I will right. say um, a lot of the higher response rates for our county, I'm sorry, for our state came from the Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. Um, they're attributing it to um, not necessarily greater group efforts, but um, more educational and access to internet and bandwidth. Mm-hmm. So in the rural areas where we didn't have access to internet or they aren't, um, they haven't gotten their paper form let yet, mm-hmm. it's hurting us on the coast as far as being comparable to the numbers we see in the north. So, so when the um, census work go knock on the doors, then you're looking for that to make a big difference. Are you optimistic that it's going to make? I'm optimistic, um, but what we saw, the trend, <laughs> what yeah. we saw, the trend was that only makes about a 10% jump in the numbers. Really? So um, we want to make sure that people are counted before they even get mm-hmm. the knock because those who p- participate at that point are more likely to get counted than waiting on the knock yeah. on the door. And then I do recommend Commission get what you said. Then if, if you and Commissioner Thrift and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Commissioner Stevens would get with um, Mayor Baker and uh, see what we could do. I got him at 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> to help to boost that, yeah. Got him. I mean, first, first thing. First not thing trying to take over them, but, you know, to find out what right. we could do to assist them. Right. Yeah. I see the signs out you know, when you ride around. You can't see. Yeah. Chris, one, one other thing now, and um, are, are those um, the field workers? So are, are we going to be looking to um, employ people? I mean, people. The Census Bureau does employment. So um, I will say Liberty County was the first county to reach 100% of our employment goal for mm-hmm. the census. So mm-hmm. we signed up. Give us some credit. for <laughs> <laughs> We got census workers ready um, to work. Again, they were being trained. They got the phone calls, and mm-hmm. then COVID happened. So they mm-hmm. will. Um, they should start getting calls again and get trained to go out in August. So the Census Bureau pays those workers. Okay. Okay. All right. You don't want to run down there and help Commissioner Stevens with Rossboro Midway? Well, I, 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 well, can't, I can't talk when you look at Walthaville. Yeah, you got to get Walthaville up. Get them 20 points up. That'll help the whole thing. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, if we had that many uh, census workers to sign up, then, you know, we, they need to really get to work because unless we, we should pay. If, I bet if we pay them by percentage. <laughs> Production, That's eh? Thought, but we, we did. Hey, we kind of counted yeah. to reach 100 yeah. percent recruitment rate for employment. If we, if we, and I will by, say, um, Riceboro was at 80 percent, 89 percent. relaxing. Yeah, 89 percent in 2010. So we definitely need to kind of revisit okay. what, um, what is happening there because they were one of the the top response mm-hmm. rates mm-hmm. for 2010, and now Flemington has taken um, the crown with being consistently mm-hmm. consistently the top. The top runner for our mm-hmm. community. I just don't understand when Gary filled it out for his. He knows it's just me and Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just went in and said, "Hey, part of the family that is in there, I was getting late. <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> Crystal, so, thank you. Online, by okay. phone, by mail. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't want someone to knock on your door, yeah, let them knock. Get it's knocking time. <laughs> thank you, ma'am. Appreciate you. Thank you, Crystal. Appreciate you so much. No matter what job we give you, you you knock it out the park every time. Yeah, good job. Plan amendment number two: defined benefit plan. Yes, sir. Um, last year, you offered an amendment through ACCG to the defined benefit plan to change the plan year to January first. You may remember that. Um, in doing that, the amendment that was submitted did not include 
the other thing which uh, we wanted to include, which was going to the elapsed time method of, of computing time in service rather than hours of service. Uh, and so elapsed time, basically just what it means uh, for, for, the, for the days you work, you get credit for. Previously, if you remember, uh, if, if you earned X amount of hours per year, you got credit for a full year. Um, nobody else's plan was like that. That's the way our old plan was. So, so again, this, this amendment puts in line what you were trying to put in place by your last amendment. It just did not contain this language. And so ACCG has requested that we uh, do amendment number three to clarify that. It'll be no change, really no change. We, we have been using that method. Number we two. just need to do a bookkeeping item okay. and, and make sure theirs is correct. Okay. All right, plan amendment number two, right? You said three. It'll actually be plan amendment number three. It'll be three? Okay, yeah. Okay. All right. Chair, take a motion. Second. Motion second that we approve plan amendment number three for a defined benefit plan per HCCG's direction. Uh, any other further discussion? All in favor, raise your right hand, please. The plan amendment has been adopted. Thank you. Liberty County Youth Commission update. Mr. Mosley is going to provide that for you, sir. Mm-hmm. Mr. Chairman, members of the board, <clears throat> on when I first got here, uh, Mr. Brown asked me to review uh, some of the efforts uh, of the uh, Youth Commission, and I sat down and I reviewed it and you know, some ideas, met with Mr. Brown, um, also Mr. Mitchell, and we did a meeting a couple weeks ago. Commissioner Stevens was there. Uh, Commissioner Stevens lauded us and encouraged us to move forward. And on last, on two Wednesdays ago, uh, Mr. Mitchell coordinated a Zoom meeting with the, the uh, all the young people, and I got a chance to meet with all the young people. Uh, we designated that we would meet uh, in Zoom meeting for the rest of the term. And uh, those dates are tomorrow night from 6.30 to 7.30 and also on the third Wednesday uh, from uh, 6.30 to 7.30. And at that time, we would set up uh, a um, time frame for July. Um, we talked about a couple of things we wanted to do. Um, and one of the things that Commissioner Stevens had urged us to do was to contact uh, Mr. Van Johnson, who's currently the mayor of Savannah, and also he's still active in the youth, youth uh, authority or youth commission down in right. Savannah, mm -hmm. and also we were asked to uh, contact Dr. Otis Johnson. I did get a chance to talk to Dr. Otis Johnson, and uh, he provided us some good ideas when he was involved with the youth commission. Um, and one of the things that Commissioner Stevens encouraged uh, uh, Mr. Mitchell and myself to work with the youth is see in closing out that year, and we could have a good formal event with the youth. And uh, one of the things that I did discuss with Mr. Mitchell and Commissioner Stevens and Mr. Brown was. Uh, some of the things helping the young people to understand about local government. So I, I put together a presentation on public policy. What does it? What does public policy entail? Why it's so important to be involved with public policy? And um, so we've got that PowerPoint ready to go, and I want to present it to the young people so they'll understand how important government is and how important decisions, uh, input, data that y'all uh, review to make decisions that affect uh, our community. Sounds good. Um, I didn't get to make the um, Zoom meeting, but I look forward to today. We'll have public meetings again. We see those young people in action, but uh, but please keep them engaged. Please keep them engaged. Yeah. 
many members are there now? Uh, oh. Walton, I believe there was about 14. 14. There was 15, wasn't it? Was there 15? I think one maybe dropped was, out. Maybe I was counting. One dropped out somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th I think you was counting. <laughs> but, but, but I, I have a gray hair now. <laughs> you don't count. I'm not. But uh, I, I appreciate that update. But uh, yeah. also, uh, just to uh, go back a little bit farther, um, before the, the pandemic hit, uh, you know, we did have an opportunity to to uh, go up to uh, Atlanta and, and meet with a couple state legislators, including uh, our representative who represents us. Uh, everyone knows him, uh, Representative uh, Williams. But we also had opportunity to uh, <clears throat> meet with, with some senators and also some, some other state reps uh, throughout the uh, state. Uh, we ate lunch. Uh, that was that was a blessing that it was provided for us uh, <laughs> during that time. But the kids really had opportunity to to uh, be in the Capitol during session, so they was able to see government uh, in action. Portion of how bills are are made bills, uh, and then of course you know we had other stuff planned, but uh, because of of the situation right now. A lot of that stuff has been put aside. But also, I just wanted to say I, I want to appreciate say thank you to all the board members, uh, not with just this program, but from the from the initial conversations that, that we all had about youth development and, and the whole, uh, you know, the summer uh, work program has, has been uh, phenomenal. Uh, so this is the second phase, and, you know, we, we still have a couple more phases to get to. But, I appreciate Mr. Mosley for stepping in, and, and you know, he never dropped the torch. And also, Commissioner Stevens, I thank you also, you know, in my absence, stepping up and showing your, your vibrant uh, youthfulness. Well, just think about it. I was there in the beginning, yeah, I and and I'll be there till the end. I appreciate it. And, 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 and uh, Commissioner Stevens, I don't think no one will forget that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I was there right with you. All right, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks. Intergovernmental agreement, tower space. Yes, sir. This is a consideration of renewal of the agreement for the tower space that we allowed to Department of Public Safety on our tower out at the old airport. Uh, it is a no-cost uh, agreement to the state, um, to GSP, to locate their equipment on there. So it's simply time for your consideration to renew it, and our recommendation is is to renew that. Okay. Need a motion? Need a motion? So move. Second. Second. Ooh. Yeah, for the discussion, all the people raise your right hands. Government agreement with tile spaces approved. All right. Administrative report. Yes, sir. Try to move through this real quickly. Uh, just a reminder on that budget, uh, it is scheduled for the four has been designated for that uh, mid-month meeting date. Uh, if the board meets um, through that means or however you want to meet there uh, to be decided, I guess, by the board. But we do have a schedule for that uh, for the third Thursday. Uh, the fire station construction is going well. Um, Got some pictures. One, one, one picture from today. There were several that were taken. One for the lab, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's bold. Um, we had been waiting on the steel because of the delivery. Right. Uh, 
called out so the steel finally came. They've been ready for it, and so they jumped on it. Uh, and so they are still on schedule. So uh, we do anticipate being finished with that building by October uh, still because all the other materials are there. So, so that's the good news for that station. Um, we are rapidly approaching finalization on the Isle of Wight substation. Um, and so uh, Mr. Long will bring one thing to you related to a garage, a, a door opener, automatic door opener next time. Really that and the sign and a little bit of site work, and we'll be ready for ribbon cutting there, uh, which is the good news. Moving Both on. of those are progressing. Glad to still finally got here for the Island Station, which is great. Um, we, we are, as far as the Miller Park Station goes, uh, Mr. Long is working on a park design there that would incorporate those adjacent lands for the fire station in that overall master plan. And when he has a draft of that, we want to bring that, of course, for the board to view um, so that you can make comment on that for the overall master plan. Mr. Brown, while we're working on that, make sure that, keep in mind, we want to pull all of yeah, the recreation part, you know, when we go in and do the road, if we have to redesign the road or anything, make sure that we look at both sides of the roads. Yes, sir, we'll do. Are you talking? You talking about the one at Miller Park? Right, that's right. I was thinking about that today. Um, you've got some activity going on in the park, and fire units have to respond. I'm just wondering. It may be better for them to go out closer to the power line. I'll go out where the old voting. Where the right, old voting. Somewhere along in there, yeah. That. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, we now have a resident up in that. Right. At the tower. Well, opposite the tower. I mean, the uh, water tank. Right. Yeah. Oh, somebody back in there? Yeah, somebody's back up in there. Yeah, there's right there where um, John Armfield used to live. I wonder if that's part of his family. Might. So we'll bring that back to you uh, on, on that draft plan. Of course, keep your prize to this and signal when we're ready uh, for the uh, potential ribbon cutting for, for the Alawite station. We're, we're moving on there very well. Joey, that, that's that's the site where we went for the groundbreaking? Uh, no, sir. No. It, this is the one that was rained out? or, or No, COVID. COVID-19. COVID uh, this is down from Fort Morris Road where you turn Okay, the okay, there, okay. Right, the property. Down right. there with Crystal Neck of the Woods down there. Yeah. Mm. We, we've already been down there. You remember we slipped in yeah, there no, no, but daylight I, that day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next to the boat repair no, shop. No, but I, um, <laughs> but the, the one where we had the groundbreaking, the the one that I, that was that was Isle of White. Yes, okay, sir. okay, yes, sir. it yeah. was right. Okay, Gary. Now you know I didn't took you down there before. Yeah, but I, you know, I, you know, all, all the trees. Once you cross the overpass, all the trees look the same down there. <laughs> Crystal, what you gonna do with it? Yeah. Okay. Um, Mr. Brown, uh, I got a report the other day that down at the boat ramp. What was it, the last holiday? It was packed down there. It, so it people are really enjoying that boat ramp. It was, and the redone pier. Uh, so the boat ramp project is almost 100% finished. Uh, DNR has dropped in the uh, privies that are there, which is the restrooms, basically, right. that are septic tank-based type restrooms, and we'll be servicing those. Uh, we're trying to get that service stood up right now so they can officially open. And then we may want to get with DNR to do some kind of uh, presentation there because that, you know, that, again, they 100% funded it. We help coordinate a lot, but it is a very, very nice facility. Well, let me say this: I was a, a a young man approached me the other day, and he said, uh, 
you can't do this, but you did that boat ramp down there. I said, you need to get it right. So I had to take my time and straighten him out who actually did the boat ramp because he was thinking taxpayers' dollars from general fund did it. So I took my time and I explained it to him. He left a little with an egg on his face, but I think he felt better. Yeah, let's do a little something, Joe, with DNR. That, that, that's we'll an coordinate order. with DNR that's an order. on their stuff. I think that would be good because it really turned out to be a great project. Uh, and then the last thing is uh, something I disseminated to you for consideration based on our last conversation, which was to, to look at some uh, reopening guidelines and to establish a potential soft reopening date uh, for county offices. Uh, and as we lead in this, I'll tell you, and I won't go through everything because you can obviously read it. Uh, Mr. Mosley and I can answer any questions. We both were, you know, participated in putting it together. And I want to say we worked with the departments and the buildings in putting it together too uh, to discuss with them. We had a, I had a couple conference calls with them. We have already, you've noticed, uh, installed plexiglass at all the public uh, places. Uh, that also is being done or has been done at the Recreation Department and at the uh, Human Center and <coughs> several locations. Not that, not that the latter is proposed for us to open right now, but we're going ahead and, and getting prepared. So uh, and work with Mr. Jerry Johnson, his crew have done a terrific job trying to balance this and reopening of the court system and sanitization of the polling places. And uh, I, I'm not sure how they've really gotten it done. I know it's been on some weekends, but uh, I think we're ready. I mean, I can tell you that uh, in, in the public spaces, if we if we want to target the same date, which was June 15th of the opening of the Justice Center on some limited basis and at the city of Hinesville, uh, I think we're here to tell you we're ready to do that. Markings are in place and staff has been briefed and I will go over this again with them this week uh, if, if the board is okay with this. Let's do it. Let's do it. A question, Joey. You, you not, um, when you say it's, it's reopening the county and I think um, Commissioner Thrift mentioned something earlier about the tax commissioner, that's not just the, the uh, departments that report to you, that's all of Liberty County? Basic, basically, the sheriff, the well, now the sheriff's plan uh, probably a little different, even a little stepped up because he's in the justice center. Mm -hmm. Although they are involved with security here, and they will be helping us both with monitoring who comes in and how many come in mm -hmm. the stage, especially in the tax commissioner's office. Um, lobby sizes uh, will dictate how many are allowed in at one time, and the rest will be asked to stay out. Uh, and in that case, tax commissioner specific. Then only so many could be allowed in the lobby downstairs before they'd have to step outside. And, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Mosley and I were talking the other day. It's kind of hard to figure out. Y'all have seen it. It doesn't revolve around paydays or birthdays in May or whenever it is. Sometimes that office has 30 people in it at one time, and sometimes it has five little average per day. So it's going to be a monitoring situation, and I want to thank the Sheriff's Department and uh, Deputy Brady for working with us on, on that. So. We'll monitor that as well as our office and and, and and what about the the courts? And so the courts, um, the we, we got uh, a plan that had to be submitted by superior court judges uh, in compliance with the state uh, state Supreme Court of Georgia, and so they plan on doing a reopening on June fifteenth. And so these guidelines that apply to them, and I can afford those to you. Uh, which will be used by the court to do it, will mean uh, certain PPEs in place in courtrooms. Uh, it'll mean screening of folks that come in the courthouse. Temperature checks uh, will be done of everybody that comes to, to the gate. There'll be some um, staging differences 
Uh, state court, for instance, will use the uh, grand jury assembly room because mm-hmm. it's got more room to spread out. Um, uh, Judge Rose on the Superior Court side did say they, uh, they plan on continuing during first appearance hearings and things remotely uh, in virtuality, which is great. That's something we've, we've hoped they would do for some time. So th- there'll be some changes there. Yes, sir. And those will vary a little bit different because of the enhanced security of the court system. And I, I don't know. I, I guess this is my last question, Mr. Chairman. Did, um, there was talk. I don't know if it happened here, but did, did they let some people out of jail because of the the virus? They did. They um, did, did, did we do that here? Yes, or not? Are, are, are we going to come and get pick them, them back well, up? I, <laughs> I can't answer the latter, but I can. Okay. Uh, I can tell you the the, the formal question. It, absolutely, they did. I, I, uh, I the judges it, yeah. and everybody worked real hard to get misdemeanors out. Uh, and to reduce that jail population um, so that we wouldn't risk exposure in the jail population out there and have to deal with what some counties dealt with. So it, it was a common occurrence statewide for what they tried to do. Uh, uh, Mr. Brown, when you say opening up, what about the parks altogether? So so the, I guess the second half of that is uh, to give you a report back. Uh, we did advertise for lifeguards. We have been successful, and we are set um, to open the pools, if you so desire, on June 8th, Ooh. which which is uh, next week. Monday. I'm talking about the uh, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the parks, the playground. Yeah. So 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 the first, I, I guess first thing is you know uh, the June 15th partial opening of county buildings. Mm-hmm. The second would be a follow up for what you ask us to on the pool opening pools opening on the 8th. And the third part is to think about the remaining things, and uh, and that would be in that phase three that Mr. Martin presented for y'all's consideration. Um, and talking with him today, I, I mean, I really we are allowing the parks to be used in in some facet and to be reserved in some facets. Um, and so we really need, I think, to be consistent with that. Uh, recommendation is that that the gymnasiums right now the summer program right now, the day camps. We, we need to get our plan ready for that. We can't be ready by the 8th to do all that, and, and that would take some extra. But certainly, um, rentals of pavilions, outdoor rentals uh, of, of, of fields or parks, I, I think I, I think we ought to consider that. No, no I... I, I um, <laughs> down by the, the the library the other day, yesterday, I think it was, and they had a sign said the summer lunch program. So is our, is that our summer lunch program? Is it up and running? No, it's actually, uh-huh. you know, we 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 have pulled with first harvest and said, look, we you know uh, we weren't able to do that like a lot, of, a lot of communities couldn't, and so first harvest is coming through and is being able to do that at drop off locations. Oh, okay, grab and go. Very good. Mr. Yep. Chair, Commissioner Thrift. Oh, go ahead, Commissioner. I just had a comment about opening up the parks and the playgrounds. Um, Dr. Lawton mentioned that it's not surface. Mm-hmm. So you, you, as far as contacting that disease, I don't know that those kids, heaven forbid, but I don't think they can contact it by touching the swing or going down a sliding board, whatever. Mm-hmm. And also he mentioned that the heat Kills. So it's going to hit, kills it. So mm-hmm. I don't have a problem right now or, or when we're thinking about opening up the park completely. Because well, I, yeah, again, I, I see that, that more people are wanting to get out. Are out. And, and are out, you know, but and then we still got the close signs on that equipment. Right. I don't know why I, they can't get out there I, and enjoy it. 
We're, yeah. we're not at this time, I guess, um, having any type of recreational ball games or whatever. So they're, you know, we need to give the children something to do. But you know, by, by, by talking to Dr. Lawton, y'all heard him. It's not serviceable. The heat kills it. So I don't understand why we can't yeah. open it up. Well, you know, he did say that about the heat. And then um, I was wondering, what's the temperature in here, Joy? It's pretty cold in here. It's cold right here. Yeah, so oh, anyway, turn, turn, turn it up a little. Cold, coldness retarded. <laughs> turn, up, turn it up a little. I guess on the conference call tomorrow, we can ask them specifically about uh, playgrounds. Mm -hmm. we, we can, and I, and I think, uh, again, um, if, we, if we go ahead and do the pools and do, do the outdoor activity in areas okay. that are either rentable, i.e. pavilions, mm -hmm. playgrounds, Things like that, open them up. You, you want to rent the park for something that's an outdoor activity. I think anything outdoor activity is fine for all mm -hmm. those reasons. Mm -hmm. And then and then the final phase that I'd like to come back with mm -hmm. you on is that final everything else. Is Should we do uh, the day camps for a period of time? Should mm -hmm. we do uh, a, a, a shortened recreation type event? We're having some requests for that. We need to wrap that for you to show you how it might look if we tried to do it with some time elements involved, i.e. school, i.e. running into other fall events. Uh, they're going to kick off here pretty quick. So I think tonight I was, you know, just hoping on, like, the building reopening, mm -hmm. the pools, and the outdoor activities, okay. if, if you'd consider that. Now, go ahead, Jess. June 8th. I, I, I definitely uh, okay. because they're employed and you know for the last couple months they've been trying to do everything they can you know the daycares have been closed uh, they still have been working it's mostly coughing I don't know if, if it's good or not <laughs> but I mean but I mean that's the time of the day you know? yeah you know yeah. You don't, you're afraid to even cough around people you are but, I've heard that from people right but uh, in all seriousness uh, I mean we, we we do need to look and see, because I do know there are some some day camps that yeah. are starting to open. Yeah. So if they start opening, then it's going to be a floodgate on what are we going to do? Are we going to still go by the capacity that we've been doing for the last couple of years, or are we going to shorten it? Uh, I think by the uh, by the mid month we'll be ready to. Okay. Right. I, th I think so. And we've already had those discussions, and we've taken the 32 item list that if mm -hmm. you're going to run a day camp, things you've got to do. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we're all going to be surprised at how many of those things we're already doing yeah. in a day camp environment yeah. for separation. The new norm? So, again, we need to analyze that because the other side of that, it is going to cause um, some manpower increase, which, i.e., will drive up that cost, which will drive down our profit. Mm. Yeah. So there's some considerations to be made there, mm -hmm. and, and we want to we want to show you those side by okay. side. We've already kind of talked them. On, we want to pursue them on paper. Okay. Um, we will have a decreased to start out as we talked about a decreased capacity load of 50 percent at those pool locations, mm -hmm. and I would suggest we do that in any other facility that we rent. Also, now in my mind that would not include. Uh, the Stafford Pavilion rental. So that's an all indoor deal, mm -hmm. recycling that air, 
I mean, unless y'all want to. But I, but I might I might see that come at the time you redo the gymnasiums and open those other indoor. Since it's closed in, okay. So, so you're saying keeping that one closed, correct? Only that one because it's totally indoor. Yeah, it's totally indoor. Just one, one other question, Mr. Chairman. But I don't know. It's hot in there. So it's hard in it's hard it's hard in there with the air conditioning on. I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So the probability of, of this virus lasting yeah. in there is possible. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to get y'all out but, of here. But but just just one question. Now, Joey, you, you know, with with everything that's going on and um you know, we we are a week away from from Memorial Day. That was last Sunday. And then with everything else going on, and um, if there's a spike, and and I, I don't know, like from a major event like uh, like Memorial Day, or major event like um, the the protests and everything else that's going on, and um, say there's a spike in Georgia, and the governor does something different because there's there's supposed to be a spike. There was supposed to be a spike because of the um, mm -hmm. of the relaxed precautions. And that I don't know if Go that back. really happened, but but whenever, whenever there's a, a major event like Memorial Day, does anyone in here know? Maybe I should ask. The, what's the guy that was talking, Doctor Doctor Davis? Yeah, um, from from Memorial Day, which was the twenty fourth, twenty fifth, that Monday, last Monday. They've seen us. You know, so it, what's the time? Two weeks. Two weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so you know so so you know we talk about this this. And I'm all for it, but we're talking about doing something Monday, which is six days from now. And if the time period is two weeks. We're going to be right right at it. I, I think you're really okay, and, and especially in the pool environment. Okay, Dr. Brown. Where, where the chlorine, <laughs> uh, kill it. Yeah. And so uh yeah, well the president said bleach your kill it. <laughs> so we are the president you know, told us to drink <laughs> even as we 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 on we online anyway. We we online. Chairman. Okay. Okay. Chairman. Yes sir. So so even as one other question. Yeah, even as we open, we're still gonna monitor with <laughs> we're still gonna we're gonna encourage that social distancing. Mm -hmm. We're gonna do all those things. Um to, to try to, to try to do that, and of course, we still have the weekly calls with Dr. Davis mm -hmm. and uh, with the mm -hmm. Board of Health. So, if, if we do see a spike or something, obviously we'll come back. Mm -hmm. But and 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 I guess is the spike based on the state of Georgia because he he would he would make his modifications based on Georgia, mm -hmm. not, not uh, uh, this this. It, and he's doing all his though. We can share those with his, just on the coastal district. Coastal district. Oh, oh, okay. So okay. we do get a little closer to home. Mr. Mm -hmm. Chairman, mm -hmm. one other thing before we leave here. I, I, there's been a lot of talk about it. I, maybe Jimmy's found the lifeguards. I know he was having a little bit of trouble mm -hmm. so opening up a pool on the 8th. It's like Mr. Gillard said, it may or may not happen. But, you know, that's one director down there with a lot of good folks working underneath him that 90% of his activity is the youth. And I just want us to make sure that this is exactly what we want to do and support him in it. I mean, if, we, if we're going to open it up, let's open it up and let's support him. If he don't have the lifeguards, then we don't need to be opening up the pools on the 8th, okay? Well, he, I'm going by his email he sent me okay. yesterday about opening on the 8th. So that's the reason and, I'm And that decision, you know, he's going to be basing everything on what we tell him to do. And, I mean, he's always tried to do that um, – He's done a great job, so I mean, let's, you know, we, we're opening up the, the the one thing that everybody wants to do, and that's get outside. And 
I just want to make sure that we are doing everything possible to support him in that. So, and it will be. I think the day camp will be a little bit more expensive than it normally is. But sure, sure. hopefully, it'll all go right. Mr. Stevens. Uh, yeah, um, Mr. Brown, the park <laughs> in Riceboro. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, the newfound. The newfound okay. park, the one that I mentioned years ago. Mr. <laughs> Chairman, are you aware of that one? Yeah, it's across from the Bride Bay Park. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, I thought the, the newfound park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Donated piece of property. We need to, I guess, figure out what we're gonna do. Clean it up, you know. Right. But will that considered be considered as open to? It's whatever the board desires. I mean, to me, it's an open air. It is. It's open air. You're right. Mm -hmm. okay. and, and so uh, I think so. And then what I would do too is I'll. Uh, we'll put together a presentation on that. Some of the board members may have not seen that. So uh, we'll do some pictures and do an aerial and some of that stuff to, to see how the board wants to proceed with modifications. Open there. park is open can, park. Can yeah. you, you think we could have that ready? Because I've heard some talk about that. Could we do something on that probably at the mid-month? Mid-month, mid yeah. Absolutely. Um, also, uh, I ran into a issue the other day. I ran into an issue the other day, and I think I sent all board members a picture. We don't know what we can do, but if we can come up with any suggestion to help prevent things like that from happening at the park where we, where little kids have to go, we need to do so because I don't care who put it up there, who wrote it up there. That's not the place for writing like that. Language. The language and graffiti. And graffiti. And also not just saying that we just prohibit it, but what will we do if we find Well, I can tell you what Mr. Martin will do. Right. You'll be gone from the Right. I mean, I mean I, Yeah, I mean you don't he don't he don't put up with that and Commissioner yeah, Stevens is I I would suggest um those signs be raised to six foot. And, and that okay. There you go. I mean, that was what I think. If you get them, it, it was right height. Right, right. I mean, yeah. I, I saw it today, but I just, I can tell you, I believe those signs need to be higher up. Higher enough. I mean, I know we did the best we could with it, but you know, somebody's gonna find something to do. It's just like a yeah. Mm -hmm. Put brand new windows and somebody's gonna bust them. So let's just mm -hmm. try to. That's the only thing I could think of. Okay. That'd be that's a, a start. suggestion. Yeah, that's a start. And, he, and I know J Jimmy had mentioned one time about doing some signs, so maybe we need to look at signage all the way around. I don't know okay. if it's in his budget, but. Well, I know we yeah, haven't met in a while, are. and I, I know we love each other, but <laughs> come on, man. Yes. Not, not, yeah. One more thing for you, and I'll get right. Debbie to follow up with this. Uh, actually, by this Friday, ACCG is wanting to know if anybody in the counties were planning to do the Legislative Leadership Conference on Jekyll Island, which is September 30th through October 2nd. Uh, because will, 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 will the virus still be there? No, no. Mm -hmm. Well, it's hot. It's hot now. It's, it's hot. Hot. So I'll the take wall, it. In the salt water poly. Yes, I'm just, I'm just going by the recommendations of our president. <laughs> uh, I think everything kills it. 
What kind of date was that, Joey? Tell her to send me information. I might be Yeah. So September, well, we don't really have any detailed information. It's just mm -hmm. a survey from ACCG to say, do you think you might attend? Because if not, based on what they get statewide, they may postpone that. Postpone. If I get the classes I need, I'll go. Let's try. I mean, send out the date. Let's yeah. look at it. Okay. What was the date? I, I'll just I'm gonna I'm gonna just respond to the survey that is probably amenable to going in. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, on the Mr. Chairman, on the next meeting, let's see if we can put on there um, talk about the uh, Liberty County High Gym. All right, got it. I think that's for the good order. Crystal leaving us. She obtained a motion to adjourn. So move. Second. Second. All in favor. So move and second. Gary Wright, y'all, y'all sit down. <laughs> y'all have a good